Welcome to episode 408 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 408 of Iron Talk with jo- Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Owls. Yes, How you going? I'm pretty good, Bevan. Have you got, mate? Have you got? Yep. Have you got? Good. Looking for a flash shirt? It's a new shirt. No, no, no. Just part of my Barker's uh, range. You like your Barker's, don't you? And How do you justify that? Because Barker's isn't cheap. Yes, it is. No. They are always on sale. Oh, are they? One of those yeah, places like yeah, Briscoe's. Very much so. Uh, I'm in a state of shock over here. I don't know if I'll get through today's show. I'll help you through it. What's yeah. happened? Well, we've actually finally got some microphone stands. Oh, yeah. It took you a while to figure it out, too, yeah, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Jeepers, creepers. Oh, we are going up in the world. Quite, they're quite solid, too, aren't they? Made of metal. Yeah, yeah. 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 No doubt you'll be able to break them, though. Give me a week. Yep. Give me a week. Okay, guys. And this week's show, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by coffeesofhawaii.com. We're just finalising a Kona trip. We're going to go to Maui. So yeah. maybe... Is it where the plantation is? No. Oh, Molokai. Oh, Molokai. Oh, I'm changing the trip then. Yeah. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. You can. They do have a Maui coffee though. And extreme endurance. Galactic buffer. Okay, guys. News this week. We've got coming up on the show. We've got some news. We've got an age group of the week. We've got an interview with Dawson talking about KRM. KRM or KPR even. KRM even. Uh, and then we've another interview. Who's that with? Sue Aquila from Endurance Corner. And she is the current, for age group, all-world champion and also a coach. And we're going to talk about uh, just, racing in the heat. Did you see the email from Pod? Is it athlete? Sort of, yeah. I'll, I'll pull that up at the end, actually, because it's quite funny. Um, and then uh, got, 24 update. Yeah, the people are speaking. Beat Troop Burgers have been a hit. People were posting on Facebook, Bevan. Are they really? That's how good it is. Barry Breffel and his wife uh, were cooking them up, and there was a he put a little post on there saying, oh, "Try no, to check get, it out." Try when, guess. when did this happen? Oh, he just posted it on his own his own page. Oh, uh, and did he tag you? Did he? He did tag me in there, and he was saying, "Put put out there to all his uh, followers, you know, try to guess what they, uh, these are." And people were saying ostrich burgers and all this sort of stuff. But no, they were beetroot burgers. And if you want to get the proper recipe, I'll be putting that up on my blog today. I heard um, that. Beetroot supply in the world's been running out mm. because just the demand has gone through the roof. And quite a few people got sucked into Quite a few. Uh, it was a good one, wasn't it? Yeah. I think what we should have done in hindsight uh, for our April Fool's joke saying that you know, qualify for Kona by doing the most amount of training in April, we should have said five slots, not 25. The 25 through people and they go, 25, really? Yeah, but and that was the whole idea. I think the thing with an April Fool's is it's got to be a little bit of a joke within it. Like, looking back, and sh- you should have gone, oh, that was pretty obvious. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's the thing is you don't want it to be, we just tell a fact that everyone would believe. If yeah. they said two slots, you want it to be a little bit playful. So I got my mum really good on April Fool's Day. She rings mm. up and she's she fell over while she was running, so she's whinging about that. And then uh, I go, oh, you wouldn't believe because Steph, now Steph is my daughter's mother, and her, my daughter and, and the other family are over in Australia right now. And I go, you wouldn't believe it because Steph's two boys – they were in the theme parks and they both broke their legs on a, on a roller coaster. She goes, oh my God, oh my God. So she yells out to all the people in the background, you wouldn't believe what happened. And I just keep making it worse. And then I was like, no, no, they both broke both legs on the roller coaster. <laughs> I keep taking it further. And, uh, and then she goes, oh, April's fools. Uh-huh. And uh, so uh, one, one, someone I can't remember who emailed us through, but they said um, they went to the swimming pool and told all the mates, oh, mate, this is this. Maybe we oh should do gosh. this. And then they had to go back and say, oh, bloody home talk, boys. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
Um, I'm in South Africa happened last weekend. John, what happened? There were some interesting results there. Be, uh, probably most uh, interesting for me was Kyle Buckingham, who I think was the winner of yeah. Kona last year in the eight fastest age grouper overall. And he uh, rocked up and got second place. And you, normally, you know, when you look at fast age groupers, they're going to have some sort of weakness there. And, and the, yeah, I mean, he was fastest age grouper. I can't remember what place he was. He might have been like 20th. 20th or something yeah. like that. You're still going to say, well, you're going to come to an Ironman and at best maybe get sort of fourth or fifth. But he rocked up and got second place. No real weakness there. He uh, swam 49.53, rode 4.41 and ran 2.57 for second place. But the winner was Nils, Nils Fromhol from Germany, uh, 48 swim, 4.37 on the bike and 2.55 on the run. So all the run times here seem pretty slow, so maybe it was a bit of a rough day. Uh, his finishing time is 8.26, six-minute victory over Kyle Buckingham. And third was Ferris Sultan in 8.33. So fairly close racing. Uh, you know, you had 8.37, Bas Dieteren in fourth, and then Matt Trotman from South Africa in fifth. So yeah, any sort of nine minutes covering the top four, so all pretty close. A few bomb outs there. You know, it was uh, we were talking last week about it being a very very strong field, and it was. James Kanana um, bombed out on the bike. He was um, had a. Average swim, 50 minutes, 45, then only rode 5.16 and ran 3.26 for 5.37. But as you'll hear later in the show, that's all he needed to do. You know, he had such a great Kona last year that he just needed to finish somewhere and, validate. and he was going to validate. Interesting thing was that he was obviously either with or very much in the same ballpark as Jody Swallow, his partner, which was, uh, I don't know, don't know what the difference was in terms of start times, whether he was running with her or not, but uh, it was a, an interesting side topic. Uh, and a couple of other people bombed out, Ronnie Shilnick, he was um, 53 swim and 4.47 on the bike and DNF'd on the run, and Pedro Gomes, um, it was a bit, bit slow as well on the on the bike ride and he was I think an Ironman winner last year so you had a few guys sort of bombing out there which meant that um, yeah it's a few other names you perhaps might not have picked came through and took the victory and the girl side of things girl side of things Lucy Gossage friend of the show taking second place taking down Jody Swallow by less than a minute but the winner was Simone Brandley from Switzerland with a really strong 3.09 marathon that got her home in 9.31 after a 51 swim and a 5.26 bike. So poor Lucy Gossage, that 59.50 swim hurt her a lot because she uh, outrode Simone by eight minutes and ran the same time, but she lost eight minutes on the bike. Mm. And Jody Swallow... Uh, just not hasn't quite cracked Ironman yet. You know she's been such a good seventy point three athlete and an, an Olympian, um, but she's only running three nineteen, so fading pretty badly on the run. Just got pipped into third place, but uh, she should be accumulating some good points. <coughs> There's a big drop off in the female field. Eh? If you, I've just put up the female results here, and if we look at the top kind of top four or top five, kind of all within kind of half an hour of each other, but then it drops well off. So if you want to be Let's look at tenth overall. It's like an hour ten forty-five. Yeah, you're not getting any ten, any money for tenth anymore, and you're pretty yeah, pretty, no, but I mean m- more just even age groupers. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's you know normally you get quite a few girls in that low tens, mm-hmm. and then you know really if you so wait, let me put one, two, three. So four, what you're five, basically six, saying is uh, girls in South Africa are slow, Bevan. Well, eleven hours and you're twelfth or thirteenth. It is kind of slow. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not I'm not being sexist here, John, because I'm far from it. But what I am saying is that. 
you know, normally, like if you go to an Ironman New Zealand, I'm sure you get a lot more. If you did 11 hours, have you wouldn't you done, get 12. Have you done your research on this? Well, I'm just going to do it right now, John. Uh, okay, uh, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep winging along. Jesse Donovan last year's winner was in fourth place in 9.49. Tell me about a 70.3 while I'm trying to find this. Where do I yeah. get New Zealand results? You go ironman.co.nz. Okay. Uh, so we had a couple of 70.3s. We've got very little news this week. So Tim Don's starting to show his hand at 70.3. He went down to Brazil and beat Tim O'Donnell there. Miranda Carfrey spanked all the girls on the run, unsurprisingly. And then we had uh, we had Texas 70.3. And poor old Joycey, um, I think DNF there, and Lucy Goss uh, from – no, so- Sophie Goss from Belgium, who – I don't know what the hell she was doing racing here. She was one of my picks, I think, last week for for um, Ironman Los Cabos and let me down. So she took the, the girls' race out from Emma Kate Lidbury and Sarah Pian- Piano. So yeah, guys. So and then on the, the guys' side of things, you had Richie Cunningham take it out from Brandon Marsh. He's Leon gone great. He's done well on seventy point threes forever, hasn't He's he? He's gone. Going great guns. He's like he just he just consistently does well at it. Chris McDonald was there uh, on the way back in. 3.49 in fourth place. I'm struggling to find the results on the I mean, New Zealand site. Give me two seconds. Okay, you give me two seconds and I'll pull up something else while you're doing that. We had the big, well, we'll go into the ITU, ITU news. Okay, so so I got on the internet, John. I went on the site and yes. watched it live because I don't have Sky TV. Yes. And uh, and I managed to get online. And I didn't watch the females race, so um, wait a second, John, have you found it? I'm just uh, trying to kill time here. Yeah, I'm right there. I, I was in a dilemma, John. And it's the first time an I2Yo race has kept me interested the whole race. Oh, well done. Because, well, not the first time. I admittedly haven't watched many of the races, but um, I, I kind of was meant to be playing piano for two hours on Sunday afternoon. Oh, my goodness. And I'm in a band now. I've got practice to do. Yeah. And uh, so I was kind of jumping on my piano, and I started watching the start of the race. And then I was like, oh, this is pretty exciting. And then it was just interesting. And then it kind of kept me to the end of the race. Stupid bloody website. Now it's telling me to select the category. I've selected my category. I've said females, and I want to apply that. And it won't let me do it. <sighs> so I do pros. I'll just do the pros and it might let me do that. Female pros. Here we go, Bevan. Here we go. Yeah, but w- w- will that give the age groupers as well? No. Oh, that's pointless. Right, I'll try, I'll try again. Yeah, so you thought I was silly, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I know I am, but it's not entirely the case. Um, results, results. This is great podcasting. It's not working, right? Let's move on. ITU News. ITU. ITU update. Okay, so John Bowe, so we had the Auckland 70, or not 70.3, the Auckland ITU, first of the season. Barfoot and Thompson. Yep, they get good sponsorship. And mm-hmm. uh, and so John Bowe, what were your thoughts? I thought it was it was great racing, as as per what you were saying there. It kept the attention fairly well. Well, I think the only reason it kept it well is, I wonder if you weren't a Kiwi, if you would have been as interested. Mm. So what, what happened in the race for those that didn't watch it? We had a breakaway group um, of 11 to 13 or yep. so in there. And with man, all the guns, man, we, you cannot say that these guys do not gun it on the bike because that first lap of the bike, it was people's tongues were hanging out and yep. they were just maxing it out big time and got the break. And it's a tough, tough course in Auckland. They've got plenty of climbs to do. It's very technical, so it was good to see. Um, but our main Kiwi Ryan Sissons was uh, way out the back like 48 door, forty-eighth out of the water. Yeah, so he was way out the back door. He can run. He's sort of a good, really good second-tier runner. You know, he's never going to run with the Brownleys and that. But he's had some um, sort of fifth, sixth, seventh places on on World Series races. So he basically got dragged out of the um, the second pack, the second big pack. That yeah, formed. at this stage was about a minute something down. A minute down, and Tom Davison. I don't know how they, how the hell they did it. They broke away from the pack, 
and nobody else went with him. I know, and this was like, who was it, Mola? Mola, Mola's a great rider. Sven Riederer is a great rider as well. And somehow they managed to break free from that, that group. Because we didn't see that bit, did we? No. Yeah. And they just pulled away, and Tom basically pulled the group of uh, three, of them, three or four there? up to the, the front group. So they closed a minute gap down, and the front group and was And he pretty much soloed it, didn't he? Like Pretty it, much. You know, like it was every time you saw him, or the pack of like three or four, it was always him just at the front doing mm. the yards. So... Well, it was interesting. I used to coach Tom for quite a few years, so it was um, it was really pleasing to see him do that. He's he can't he's not he, he can't run in terms of that, know, yep. that, that sort of level. You know, he's he over half Ironman he can do an okay split, but for ITU distance, you know, he's going to lose five five to six minutes. So, you know, yep. he, he can run sort of thirty five ish, and yep. that's about about all he can do. But for for us Kiwis, it was very interesting tactically as well because we've only really got Ryan Sissons and Tony Dodds, who's and they're both sort of. There or thereabouts. They're not they're not big rock stars, but Sissons got dragged up. He had to get a top eight finish to qualify for the Commonwealth Games. Tom dragged him up, and he did the business on the run. And so Sissons got his slot for the Commonwealth Games. And I dare say, whilst Tom certainly did not meet the criteria, he's pretty much ridden himself um, into the Commonwealth Games team. So John, tell me, because for those overseas, you know, like the Americans and that listening to this Commonwealth Games, probably something you guys don't know much about. It's a, it's kind of. Uh, Every two years outside of the Olympics, we have the Com Games. So every four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's you know, the two years other side of the Olympics. So, um, and the Commonwealth Games is obviously just Commonwealth countries. It's kind of a bit of a dying thing as time goes on. Um, it's going to be in Scotland this year. So, what's the criteria? Because obviously the Olympic qualification is a bit different. What what happens with the Com Games? I'm pretty sure each country can just nominate just send three athletes. Okay. Uh, so I don't know whether you have to be ranked to a certain certain level, but. The interesting thing, I guess, for the for the for the Great Britain sort of squad, you know, you have Wales, Scotland. Um, yep. So it breaks it down. Breaks breaks it down. So, but it's still a bloody strong field. You know, you've got um, all the British athletes, and man, they've got some gun guys and girls. Um, and then you've got Australia, Canada, and New Zealand and South Africa. South Africa is part of. The yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's a it's it's not a, oh, a it? massive field, but it's pretty strong. I'm not sure about South Africa actually. No, neither. Um, but anyway. Outside of that, it's it's it's, it's good racing, and I think the challenge for us Kiwis and Aussies is you know the first first and second are basically taken with the Brownleys, yep. and there's one medal up for grabs, and our top Kiwi it's basically Kiwis, Australians, and Canadians going for that um, third spot, plus a few decent other poms. Okay, oh. so we talked about Kiwi race. What happened in the rest of the race? Uh, so yeah, it was, uh, oh, it was impressive, man. So ended up as as predicted, it was Brownlee versus Jeez, Gomez way on faster the run. than anyone else too, aren't it's, they? It's ridiculous. It's like it's not even like it's not even close. Like they all get off the bike together, and mm. within a, in five minutes, they've already got a gap on everyone else. But it was impressive, a head to head battle, and on the final lap, so it was four laps of two and a half k. You had Gomez just up the ratchet yeah. on Brownlee, and he just. Gave it to himself and dropped Brownlee, and but he was, held it too, didn't he? You yeah. know, like like the gap once Brownlee let go, he was just, which is often the case, but still, it was just he was gone. It was very impressive racing, and they, you know, they swam, they biked, and they ran really hard all the way through the race. So it was, uh, it was good to see. And that's what to me made Tom Davidson's ride even more impressive because the boys at the front of the first pack, you know, you had kind of four or five guys who were just doing the hard yards, and mm. they, it was really interesting when Davidson pulled them up. You could see that Brownlee. Look at you! It was almost like, wow, this guy's done pretty. Mm. He was pretty impressed, wasn't he? Yeah. So, guys' race uh, really enjoyed that. Girls' race, likewise. We had a Kiwi breakaway with uh, Kate McElroy and uh, Nikki Samuels, along with uh, Crikey, I probably should know the girl that won it. Um, I can't even think. Simmons. Of it. Um, what's this? Bloody hell! I've forgotten. 
Just give me a second. Oh, you sexist pig. I sexist hey. pig. Uh, hey. Jodie Stimson. That's right. So yeah. Jodie Stimson got in the breakaway with the Kiwis. Fantastic move for her because she's one of the best runners anyway. And so they had a minute or so lead coming off the bike and it was uh, and she, she basically just about held all of that lead. And Anne Haug in second and Helen Jenkins on her return to racing was third third place. So again, really good racing. A good pack run on the girls. So you kind of kept uh, kept interested because you never know, quite knew what was going to happen and the, the pack was trying to close down on the, on the lead. So overall, it was uh, excellent racing, excellent course, um, and, a, and a really good race to have as an Olympic distance race. I'm really keen. I, I saw an interview with um, Alistair Brown, and he, you know, he wants to see more variation in the, in the year. You know, you have your Olympic distances, you have your kitspiels, you have your sprints, and you have different formats. But I think Auckland, as a pure triathlon, the nature of that course, downtown, hills, bit of everything, the, the best triathletes won. It's a good, honest course. Mm. Okay, what's up next? What's up next? We've got our next stop is in Cape Town. First time I think they've been racing there, so it'll be interesting to see what sort of uh, event they have over there. Got to give the Aussies a little bit of love. Um, there was three of them going for the third yeah. place, running shoulder to shoulder. But as Bevan said, you know they the Aussies raced really, really well. Really um, did well on the bike as well. Got up there, but you know there's like a minute between set third and uh, oh, second it was just third. it's just those you know the the, the top tier. But what is cool right now in a sport, like Alistair's obviously seems to be the guy to beat, but mm. there are a couple guys who are close. Mm. You know, like sometimes in sport you get that dominant character and there's kind of no one really that close to them. Mm. Like when Woods was at his best, mm. you know, no one was really that close to him. Whereas, you know, Brownlee is the guy to beat right now, but, you know, Brownlee, the other Brownlee and, and um, Gomez, yeah. they are within, you know, Mola. So what happened with Mola? Oh, he just had a weak swim. And, and but is that traditional? Uh, he's, a, he's a little bit weaker. Like Gomez and those guys, they are top-notch swimmers, man. They are serious. serious. Whereas Mola, he's a good swimmer and usually makes the pack, but this time he didn't and just got you know, stuck in that second group. Because even he ran well, but he was just, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, and other, other interesting note for the day was that you had Ivan Rana in there, who was, you know, where did he finish in Kona? He was like sixth or seventh in Kona, maybe fifth, and uh, he's still doing the ITU circuit, finishing twenty fourth, which is not great, but it's not terrible. Um, so we'll, don't quite know why you do that. What, why would he? I don't know. Maybe it means he gets keeps get some funding from his national federation. Maybe. See, well, so, well, well, this is a side note. Tom Davidson is he better to go longer? Well, yeah, he, he it kind of is. Uh, he's, last year he mostly did half Ironman races, seventy point threes. Uh, did a bit of it. You know, went basically to the American kind of gig, um, but you know. This year, make Commonwealth Games, pretty good thing to, to do. Experience, yeah. Mm. Okay, um, coming up this weekend, we've got the Hits Napa Valley, and then after that, we've got the Challenge Taiwan, which is going to be coming up, uh, and then Ironman Port Macquarie, which is going to be in May. One other announcement we had, there's uh, 70.3 is heading to Europe, as we all knew, for 2015. They've actually announced that it's going to be in Austria, and they have perhaps... Champs, you mean? Yep, yep. they have perhaps chosen the hardest name to pronounce in the world of triathlon, and the longest name, Zell MC. Capron in Salzburgerland. Oh, yeah. In Austria. When's this? Uh, it's right in the heart of, I don't know if it's in the heart of Austria, but there's mountains all around there. And so let's hope they choose a really funky course, which just got some uh, some good challenges in it rather than uh, a flat, boring course in a nice nice place. Okay, so we did get a bit, we've got quite a few emails through this morning uh, from bbc.com. And just say an Australian athlete injured during a drone crash. So I kind of, oh, someone's Skyping you, John. No, maybe it's Facebook. Oh, I hate things beeping at me. Um, but anyway, um, Raja Ogden reports. Courtney Ogden. No, it says Raja. Right. R A I J A. 
sustained minor head injuries after a drone's operator lost control of the device. The videographer operating the drone claimed that the craft had crashed because of an attack. attacker managed to wrestle control away from him. Well, that doesn't sound very good. The drone was being filmed for competitors in some race in Australia. Um, Miss Ogden, so maybe it's Courtney's wife, maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe it's just an Ogden. Uh, was treated at the scene of the accident before taking to hospital where stitches were required. It's not a good look, is it? No. So, there you go. Uh, other news. We had uh, Mac has got a camp he's doing with Jensen Button. <laughs> you gave her no love then. Oh, I did. <laughs> no, you didn't. You were like, unfortunate. no, move on. You could have gone, poor woman. Poor woman. Yeah, give us a feel for you. Watch out for drones. Watch out for magpies. <laughs> They're watching you. They're yeah. watching you. Have you watched uh, what's the, what was the program Homeland? They can uh, watch you, John. Uh, they can watch okay. you. Okay. Uh, Mac is doing camp in the UK for all you UK listeners uh, with Jensen Button. So go to MacRex. Oh, is he doing it with them? Uh, with Jensen, he, they did an interview with Jensen yeah. Button the other day. And did you listen? I did. Had a listen. Yep. Jensen Button. He's, he's pretty sharp. Oh yeah, and he's targeting Kona. He wants to try to win his age group. Not this year. Um, and another year, he says, if I go to Kona, I want to try to win. And he's was it realistic? It's not unrealistic. It's a pretty bold, you know, it's easy to talk these things up. But he says, you know, if I'm going, I'm going to want to try to win. So Jeez, this camp's pretty cheap. If you're, in a, if you're in the UK, so it's in Milton Keys uh, in the UK in 2014, three nights, days and nights for only 89 bucks. Yeah, but that doesn't include accommodation no, and that sort still, of stuff. It's basically three days of attending a camp for 89 yeah. bucks, which is, uh, which is bloody good value. So um, get to meet Macca, and he's always an entertaining character. And they've got... Uh, James Sport, sporty, um, sporty not, sport, not Sporty Spice, uh, Sporty Cock. <laughs> Thames um, and Lewis. Thames and Lewis on there. So check it out, macarex.com slash camp slash UK. And just got to give challenge a little bit of love because I get so sick and tired of WTC not sending us anything. And I know you think that challenge sent us too many emails, but no, no, you know what? That's their job. Yeah. It's, it's just great. when, when so, you do this, you get lots of PR and it's like, uh. so two, two weeks um, out from challenge Taiwan, you know, they send through the start list and who's racing and everything like that. I'm just saying, so who's racing? Uh, Dylan McNeese is up there to defend his title. Mic oh, damn mic stands, new mic stands. Oh, Dylan McNeese is up there. I thought I saw Guy Crawford's going to be uh, oh, rocking nice. in the house. Um, it's just good to, it's good to see. Ironman New Zealand, on the other hand, is very, very good. They do a great job. But most other Ironman races, they don't even have the bloody athletes on the list. Anyway, well, well done, tell me, about, tell me about what happened yesterday, because you were really upset with Ironman on the website. I was. I was, he, was, gonna, he, was he was using words that start with C. Yeah, so... I was trying to find the KPR, so I went on to IronmanProMembership.com thinking it's going to be really easy to find, and yeah. I couldn't find it anywhere. I was saying, this is bloody oh, ridiculous. ridiculous. But then I saw um, later on, right at the top of the page, they had results, and under there, there was KPR rankings. It, it wasn't so ridiculous. They don't care about the pros. Did you see? Yeah. What makes you say that? They just don't. They just don't, they just don't, they don't go don't, their they way. They don't need to. They don't need to, I agree. Why would they, John? Why would they? Those blooming pros. They're just a hassle. They want. Yes. They just want, want, want. Ah. Discussion of the week, guys. So we're going to be talking about the tips for the heat. Yes. Uh, in the interview later on. So we're going to leave that for later. Are we? Are we doing it now? We are. So you got a few people con- contributed to that. Okay. So then the next question is this week's discussion. So we'll talk about this week's discussion, or as in last week's discussion, later on in today's show. But for this week's discussion, John wants to really identify the European athletes. Mm. You've got the World ITU Championships happening in Europe this year, and you've also got the 70.3 next year, sorry. Which would you rather do, the World 70.3s or the ITU Worlds 70.3 or, or long course? Yeah, so next year, you're aiming for, to do half Ironmans or whatever. Um, you know, would you rather go 70.3 Worlds in Austria or the half Ironman, uh, well no, the ITU World Long Distance Champs, which I think it might be in Sweden. 
or you know, somewhere in Scandinavia. Do you know what, John? What? The, the only reason, I think one thing that ITU has over everyone else is you get a uniform. Mm-hmm. And you're part of a team. Yeah, and people love that uniform because mm-hmm. the public don't know that it's sometimes can be quite easy to qualify for certain races. Yeah. Just saying. Yep. Not saying the long course champs aren't easy. It's a hell of a lot easier to qualify for the long course ITU World Champs than it is for 70.3. Is it? Yeah. Do I know? It actually depends what age group you're in. Sorry, I'll re-clarify that. It depends. If you're in a young... I just, the reason I had, I had a, a girl in the other day for an appointment and she's in the 20 to 24 age group. So for a Kiwi, you go to 70.3 in Auckland and try to qualify, there'll be one slot. Whereas <laughs> if you want to go to ITU Worlds, New Zealand can probably send 10 athletes, so it's pretty easy to get in but if you're in the older age group then it's a different story like my age group you rocked up to but wait a Auckland. second when you go to Auckland 70.3 you're trying to qualify for Kona not the world 70.3 champs yeah you can go to both don't you look confused you look no, no, bamboozled no. Well, because you're saying that one slot but there was only four a Kona slot no in her age group for 70.3 there was only one slot for the world champs yeah I thought they used to try to give them away. Yeah, they do. And and in a lot of age groups they do, but when there's those ones which have got hardly anybody in them, uh, I'm sure there was I'm sure there was only one. But if you're on thirty five to forty, there's, there's quite a few. And, and it, it rolls yeah. down forever, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Okay, John So if basically if you're in Europe and uh, next year you could you know, you're of a level to qualify at either of those races, which one are you gonna choose and why? Sponsor John. Hold on, I just have a pause because I've got to just check my times. So we've had Clocks have changed. And I've got to make sure I haven't stuffed up my interview times. Same. Okay. Well, you do that and I'll pause. I'm going to pause now. And we are back and John's just having a drink of water. You yep. kind of knocked that back. You have yep. a good swim this morning? I felt, felt a bit low in the water this morning, but then... Dropping your hips? It dropped, yeah, uh, just a bit low, but I had four, this morning was uh, four four hundreds, fairly hard. How's the uh, foot coming along? Uh, I start running on Saturday, so we'll find out. Mate, actually, my other foot's a little bit sore now. Oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah, four four hundreds hard... A bit of congestion in there. Trying to go under five thirty, sort of sitting about five twenty-five. So it was okay. Okay, good times. Good times. Uh, sponsor Jombo. Sponsor Athlinks.com. Oh, put your upcoming events into Athlinks, John. And at this stage, there's only two people going to the Kona Ironman World Championships, and one is me, and the other one is Tony Hodge. I got a Tony Hodge. Yes. So it's really simple to do. When I looked at Kona seventy point three, we've got quite a few more because I've basically put all my entries in for the remaining events that I'm doing this year, of which there are only two. If we go to Kona seventy point three, um, good old Ian Hersey's going to be there. Haven't seen him for a while. Ah, oh, nice. Aiming for four fifty nine. White 58. lightning. White lightning. Uh, David Levy's in there. Claudia Chris, Robert Flynn, Joseph Chavez, his goal for the race. It's going to be his first 70.3, so he just wants to cross, cross the finish line. Pretty cool place to go and do your first 70.3 in Hawaii. Yeah, that would be good. Do a holiday around it. Exactly. And Ryan Morgan is also out hidden there. For I think we're giving David Levy a bit of a nickname today. Are we? Yeah. Oh, very nice. I think so. So really cool. If you just add, to add events to your sort of profile so you can see who's hit attending them. John, you, yeah? you're going to win. Am I? Well, because we've got a 515, 627, a 508, mm. 607. You've put in 418. No, that's my average time. I didn't actually put in a goal time. Oh, why not? I don't know. why. What did I you did. do there last year? Uh, it was 420 something, I think. I can tell you in a second. Yeah. But anyway, it's really simple to add your event. You just need to be logged in. You type in the name of the event and it'll have all the results and then it'll have coming up this year and then you just up in the top, sort of towards the top right-hand side, you just add it to your events and then you can just put in uh, put in whatever your details you want to about that race, your goals and um, lay a bit of smackdown talk if you know someone else that's racing. So you did 425. This is a great thing about athletes. You swam 29.30. Mm-hmm. Was that slow? Or was it? 
Uh, yeah, it is a bit slow. It's a non-wetsuit swim. Okay. Um, I, uh, didn't, I didn't have a great swim. And then you rode 225. That's reasonably okay with yeah. that. And then you ran 126. Which, that's probably which, a little which bit Which sounds play. slow, but it was actually very competitive. I was only three minutes slower than Crowey. So why was it such a slow race? Uh, it's a very tricky run course. Is it? It's all over the place. You're running on grass. It's bloody hot, and it's got ups and downs and lots of U-turns. Okay. So that run split was actually pretty competitive. But do you know what, John? You weren't the first athlete's finisher. Oh, who was? Unknown racer was. Unknown racer <laughs> yeah, was. Unknown racer took it out. He was a male age grouper of 35, uh, swam 30-49, rode uh, 2.17, and ran 1.26 for a 4.20. Oh, it's pretty easy to find out if I go to the results. But that dude spanked me because I was second in the age group. And he, yeah, he he absolutely crushed Five it on the on bike. Yeah. He put uh, eight minutes onto me on the bike. Unknown racer. Unknown racer did so well. That's like a door song, doesn't it? Mm. Unknown racer. And then we had Garrett Harvey just behind me. He was only a minute behind me. Next finisher. But he would have got a Kona slot because I didn't take mine. Oh, he would have loved you. He did, yeah, I bet he did. Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, John Newsom, he's a good guy. Yeah. Okay, uh, so guys, athlinks.com, if you want to geek out on your own results or your friend's results or do some prep or, you know, just all this good stuff, go to athlinks.com, put in all your info, join up, and uh, keep putting your races in, and you won't regret it. Jombo. Music time. Music time. Here we go. Age group of the week. week Okay Jombo So this week we got an email through From good old Matthew Bins And uh, he's just got to note uh, Note the fastest female run time And I think it's Ironman Melbourne uh, Age group of the week, week Nicola Hart From Western Suburbs Triathlon Club In Melbourne, Australia Mine and Peter The Insider Colson's Club um, Nicola works as well as trains for Ironman. Her hubby is a real supportive, is real supportive of her. Being such a small lady, just forty-eight kg and five foot nothing tall, Nicola has a, a fear of open water swimming, but works her way through that in races. And once on the bike, goes for goes more comfortable, more com- uncomfortable. Maybe I'm not sure what that means there. Um, her home is the run leg and as you can see from her time on Sunday she really has the motor going uh, if you have no other nomination for age group of the week perhaps you can use this email as nomination for age group of the week so Jonbo do we know how fast she went? Let's do a pause and we'll find out Okay you pull up Melbourne results and he's got PO I hope to beat Colson as he was talking about doing this himself and he did he said Colson was getting pretty bit drunk at the afternoon. Oh really? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm the terps didn't say too drunk, just I'm, I'm interpreted, interpreting that way. But um, it is nice. It must be funny when you're someone who has this race, which is, you know, kind of fearful through the swim, comfortable on the bike, and then but you know you're going to be able to bring it home on the run. It must be kind of a nice place to be. And Nicola sounds like she's one of those people. Nicole, sorry, Nicole Hart. So, John, here you go. I'm getting there. The results haven't been our strong point today, have they? They have not been. Do you think Melbourne will have them easier than New Zealand? Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Was it name Hart? Um H A R T, cool. Nicole Hart, age group the fastest runs. Oh, no, it's not loving me. The, the bloody website today. What is up with this? There's the pen, John. I type in Hart. Yep, searching by name. Searching by name. Category. Uh, so she, I guess she's a probably female. Yeah, oh, put on gender female. Yep. And then I've got to type in Hart again. Yep. And then you push search. Please select a category. Okay, what age group was she, Bevan? Did it say? No. She's 46 kg, maybe weight category. <laughs> How does Matthew know her weight? <laughs> That's what I want to know. You go, hey, 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 Nicole, get on the scales. I want to see your weight. It's not loving it. 
Okay, well, she went super fast. She had the fastest age group runs of the day. <clears throat> I'm predicting, what do you reckon? In Melbourne, fast course, 310. That's pretty fast. It is. Oh, I'd say maybe 320. Yeah. Here you go. I'm, I'm trying to find it. It's not happening, is it? It's not happening. It's not happening. Can you sort by run? Let's, let's go up. Let's go nowhere. Let's go nowhere fast. Uh, yeah, we've got lots of uh, zeros there. Simone Bog. No, no. No, it's not happening. Oh, well. It doesn't matter. We apologise for that, Nicole, because you've got anyway, an awesome performance. Matthew Bins, it's your fault. Yes. Come on, Matthew. If you're going to see through an age group of the week, you at least put them in the time you're kind of promoting. Yeah. Sharpen up, Colson. Give him a hard time next time you see him. Yeah. You know, next Out- time you're on the piss. Outstanding run. Always like to see people come through with a good, strong run. Nice work. What do you reckon you could run if you if you went... Okay, here, here we go. Stupidly easy swim. Yeah. So you do an hour of 10. Mm-hmm. Just... Plot along, probably an hour for you if you're doing stupid lazy. Yeah. Stupid lazy ride, six and a half hours. Yeah. But then smash the run. Um, if I was in the same shape that I did Auckland. Peak. So, you're so, in your so, peak. So I did, uh, there I did 238. Was it 238? 236. 238, I think it was. What do you mean? For the bike? No, when I did Auckland Marathon. So I stand, oh, okay, stand yeah, alone yeah, and yeah. I was in pretty reasonable run shape there. So if I chucked a... a and, and you've got to remember, at Ironman, you, you're running solo, most likely. Yep. Uh, I would have thought 245 at best. That's pretty good. Yeah, and no, I actually know that's, yeah, no, that's I wouldn't have been a little bit optimistic. That. Yeah, I think 250 probably. 250. 250 probably be about as good as it gets. It'd be worth doing it one year. Do you know why? Because the person who gets to the fastest run always gets lots of love. Mm. You know what I mean? The, the age group who just about beats all the pros. Is it, every race there's one, isn't it? The strategy it? would be is... You time it so you come off the bike when Cameron Brown's, you know, doing a second lap, doing a second lap, so yeah. you just run with him, yeah, just build into it. Yep. Piss Strategy is we just turn up in the run. Yeah, <laughs> so we'll try that. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. So uh, Nicole Hart and from. I, I apologise for that. For it was it was a pretty wicked. No, Matthew been sharp enough. Yeah. I mean, Nicole, give Matthew a hard time. Don't give us a hard time. Yeah. Well done. Colson, give him a hard time. You are our. Okay, we're going to interview coming up with Thorson um, from tryrating.com. He is the geek, and we're going to be talking about KPR. Nice. Okay, here we go. Righty-ho. Um, on this week's show, we've got good old Torsten back. The geek. Um, the geek, because it was – we both thought it was be good timing because uh, it's an interesting time of the year because we've had all the – end of season late Ironmans that go towards the, the 2014 KPR um, but we've also now pretty much had all the Southern Hemisphere Ironman races I think probably outside of Brazil so it's an interesting time to look at the rankings and uh, so we've got Torsten back on the show to explain a bit of the KPR and, and what he's seeing so far so welcome back to the show Torsten. Well, thanks for having me again. Right. Really great to be back on the show. Hey, um, we, we always get confused and uh, very as, easily, very easily as to the qualifying procedure. So, can you quickly run through for us, um, you know, how the guys and girls um, are, get, are qualifying for Kona, and and perhaps how that's changed a little bit this year? Yeah, um, I guess a look at the quick look at the KPR might might be helpful because some of the decisions that athletes have to make when designing their race schedule, they start to come up now that half the races for the July qualifying are, are over. So let me just quickly go through them. Um, the, the minimum requirement is that you have to have at least one full-length Ironman distance race outside of Kona. So even the people who race Kona and might have placed well there and got a lot of points, they still need to complete one uh, Ironman outside of Kona. 
Then uh, the second result can be any Iron Man, including Kona. And then you have three uh, more results that you can bring into. And these could be either from any Iron Man or any 70.3 race, including the uh, championship race, which was in Las Vegas this year or last year. And it's going to be in, in Montreblanc um, this year, which is also a pretty big uh, uh, points race. So uh, those are the up to five results that you can bring into the total ranking. Um, you can race more often, but then uh, a weaker result uh, that uh, matches the requirements gets gets bumped off, off the list. So you end up with these uh, up to five results. And that uh, has a influence, for example, you can't race or you can race a lot of 70.3s, but you can only have three 70.3 results in, in your total. Uh, it could be five Ironman, um, including Kona, but um, at one point, uh, or if you race very often, like like Peter Pete Verbrusik, for example, he, I think he already has five results on his um, total list of results so far. But then the, his, if he races a six, sixth race, uh, his weakest result gets uh, bumped from the list and he just ends up with the five best. So um, that determines which uh, results you can, you can bring into there. And it sounds pretty simple. But um, once you get uh, a ton of results and then the weird uh, sorting order that is sometimes in there, it gets <laughs> real confusing to figure out the impact that some result is going to have. Um, yeah, that, that was one thing. Um, then we have uh, two uh, points in time where the Kona slots are decided. Um, one is end of July, which is where the best 40 men and the best 28 women get a Kona slot. Um, sometimes there's uh, declines or people get injured then they get bumped to the next one and then we have 10 more slots for the men and 7 more for the women at the end of August um, that um, get a slot for Kona um, in addition to these um, I call them point slots we also have the automatic qualifiers like the 5 years uh, past uh, Kona champs 70.3 champion and the high champion um, they get uh, automatic qualifier slots and they just have to validate with an Ironman outside of Kona to get a slot and these don't count against the 40 uh, slots for the men or 28 for the women at the end of July so for example Crowey um, he's won the race in the last five years when he decides to uh, take the slot that he validated with his Melbourne result um, it doesn't influence anyone else other than himself uh, he could just take it and race in Kona and no one uh, gets bumped from the from the list of points qualifiers in that situation there, and and things have changed a bit this year because um, we you know they've changed the way points are allocated. So there's not much use you know going back and looking at the last couple of years qualifying. Um, but you've done a few calculations as to what you think uh, you know the number of points that both males and females need, and you, you talked about that on the last show that we did. Uh, has that changed at all? And, and maybe go through how you calculated the, the number of points people need and what those numbers ballpark might be. And, and halfway through the season, is, are, you on, are you kind of accurate? <laughs> well, I hope I'm accurate because the last thing I want to do is call someone having a safe slot and then having to uh, bump them back to the exactly. maybe list again. <laughs> um, well, what I did is I reran the 2013 results uh, with the new points uh, system, which is a lot steeper um, decline in, in, in the points. So, for example, in fifth and sixth place used to be decent points in the, in the older system. Now the, the um, drop-off is pretty steep there. Um, 
that that's one thing I did. Um, then the the thing that changes too is that we have uh, four more races until the end of July uh, cutoff. Um, we have additional races: Japan and Tahoe, and the UK, and some other race uh, moved into the um, July um, uh, cutoff too. So we have uh, um, more races um, for July in 2014 than we did. And one other factor that's going to uh, come in there and that's very hard to calculate is um, of course people race a bit smarter under the new system than when they were optimizing for the older schedule last year so the 2013 simulation might not be a totally accurate uh, way of coming up with the with the number um, but still the I, I did the best I could and the numbers that I came up with are basically unchanged since I, since I put them out which is uh, 3400 points for the men and 4,700 points for the women, and the women's number is just a bit higher, or quite a lot higher actually, because there's there's fewer um, spots that they have for qualification. Um, so that's why the num the women's number is, is higher than than the men's number. Awesome. Can and, I? Oh, sorry. Okay. Sure. Go ahead. Oh, no, can I can I ask? Like, okay, the, the point system has changed. What's the difference for an athlete? Like, pretty much, if I had a similar race year last year and I got to Kona, would I still get to Kona this year, or? You know, what's the difference for the end result for the athletes? Um, the answer is it depends. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can't really, really um, make the comparison. I mean, um, you, can, you can have a look at the, at the strategies that, that people uh, used in the past. Um, there were people that raced quite often. Pete Verbrusik is the, is the um, poster boy for that strategy. He just raced a ton of times, had a couple of top five and six and fourth places. Um, but other than that, he, he never really cracked the podium, I think. And that strategy is is definitely not going to work under the new system. Okay. Uh, you have to shoot for uh, podium places, even in the smaller races, um, in order to actually make it to Kona. I mean, you, you can have a look, 3,400 points for the men. Say you have uh, four uh, decent results that you want to put in there, then you need to have almost like 1,000 points uh, per race uh, coming from that. And that's, I think, top three is, let's have a look, top three in a small uh, P2000 race is, um, um, let's see, 1280 points. Um, the fourth place is actually under 1,000 points. So you need really need to be on the podium uh, if you want to make it to Kona. Yeah, so Pete, Pete Verbrusik, for example, at the moment, he's got five results in there and he's only got 2,298 points. So he's... You know, he's 1,600 of those comes from, from his second place in Japan that, yeah. that he did yeah. So that's um, yeah, that's an interesting interesting change. You know, they're very much rewarding the big hitters rather than the guys that are um, consistent, that are consistent yeah. racing a lot. So um, I had a, I was having a quick look through some of the the KPR yesterday, and you know, trying to think about who seems to be racing smart. And one person that really jumped out at me straight away, um, who looks like he's uh, pretty much got a guaranteed spot at thirty six hundred points, was uh, Mike Twelsick, who raced Ironman Tahoe in in Lake Wisconsin. Uh, at, Lake Tahoe and Wisconsin. And the reason I thought that was interesting is because most of the other guys that are up the top of the rankings have all done Kona. So I think what um, Mike sort of showed is, yeah, he had two fantastic results, um, but they're outside of Kona. So it is possible for the non-Kona athletes to get in there if they um, if they race smartly. So have you sort of... Um, but, but still, it, it was a first and a second place, so it's certainly uh, Kona-worth performances that he delivered there. Definitely. Have you have you sort of seen um, other people who you, who you think are, are racing the system really well in terms of making sure they get to Kona with um, I don't know the least amount of racing or just just doing it smartly? 
Well, uh, the uh, another athlete that had similar results to Mike uh, was Lucy Gossage, who won uh, Wales last year, also late season Ironman in, in, in Europe, and who got second uh, last weekend in South Africa. She's sitting at 3,600 points as well. But of course, as a woman, she needs a couple more points to uh, to make the, th- the threshold. Uh, Mike sits pretty safe there. Um, I still have him in, in my bubble category because you never know how the, the actual number will develop. But uh, Lucy raced the same. Um, another one who, who had a close look at the system and figured out what to do um, was um, uh, Dirk Bockel. Uh, he had a horrendous uh, race and end of season last year uh, in Kona. He uh, had a DNF with some, some issues he had. Uh, then he was injured for a bit. Um and he was really thinking how to uh, approach the season, and he decided to do the uh, early uh, regional championship in Melbourne. And he was pretty much going into the race knowing that he'd have to race for either for let's say at least the podium mm-hmm. uh, in order to make it to Kona. So that he, within that mindset, he absolutely uh, crushed the race and uh, actually won it. So he's sitting now at four thousand points, and I, I call a safe slot for him and. From from what I heard, he wants to go back to uh, to road in the summer and defend his title there, which would not have been possible for him if uh, Melbourne didn't go as well. Mm. So, so interesting move, but just on the side note, because last year that seemed to be a move that kind of hurt his corner. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes along. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, of course, he wants to defend his title, and I would also assume that he he's making decent money of racing there. Um, the the problem that la- he had last year is. I think he uh, didn't uh, recover well from road, had a little injury that he didn't treat uh, properly and pro- wasn't fully through it um, in, in his corner prep then. And so who, who are the other athletes that you are predicting are safe outside of the ones that are sort of the automatic qualifiers through you know, past, um, past wins at Kona? Well, the most of those are um, athletes that uh, raced really well in Kona and had a, had a lot of points from, from the Kona race. Um, Luke McKenzie, who uh, even though he he didn't have the Melbourne he probably wanted, um, just uh, validate basically validated his, his uh, slot. He already had enough points from from Kona. Uh, similar uh, James Kunama this weekend in South Africa. I guess he wouldn't have finished uh, the race if it wasn't for validating his Kona slot. Uh, Tim O'Donnell is another one who uh, did did the race in Florida right after Kona, and he, he and Rini just basically went through the course, didn't care at all about the time they would finish, um, and just validated um, their their slots for Kona. I don't know <laughs> if what, what people at WTC think about that, but um, it's well within the, the rules of the KPR of, of doing that. Probably um, one point that I'd, I, I was wondering about James Kanama. Um, it's very much if you if you have a good a good Kona, um, you basically just have to validate you anywhere. Really what, what sort of you probably got the points in front of you. So what sort of place in Kona do you need to get in order to just require you to go and tick the box somewhere? Um, I whereabouts is four thousand points when you do Kona? Well, four thousand points is uh, seventh place is forty two fifty. Um, but you have to say if you have to do another Ironman race to validate the slot, and of course you get a couple of points from that if you're not doing it just like the way that that TO did, for example. So, um, say you you do a two thousand points race and get at least five or six hundred points from that one, then you might go down, as far down as say um, 
10th place is 3100 points maybe 11th or 12th depending on what you want to do so basically mm. the, it's it's more or less assured that the top 10 from Kona for the men uh, are able to return to Kona the next year as long as they validate or not hurt themselves or something like that. You mentioned before um, Lucy Gossage, who we've had on the show before, and she got second at uh, South Africa last weekend. It is pretty pretty harsh on on some of the girls, perhaps. You know, um, if we compare Lucy with um, Mike Twelsick, who who had similar results, but yet she's now got thirty six hundred points and is going to need you know quite a few more points just to qualify. So essentially, she's won an Ironman, she's got second in an Ironman, and she's probably going to have to go and do another one or have a number of fairly good seventy point three results just to make it yeah i see a lot of athletes that are just thinking about what to do with the rest of their season um i had a long discussion with uh, angela nath for example who sits at 3800 points after her results um i think they got she got uh, fifth or sixth in melbourne uh, was uh, also well, well placed in um in lake tahoe and had a couple of 70.3 results already Oh no, she won in, in Panama, got 1,500 points there. But she, she needs to come up with another uh, eight or 900 points too. And she was thinking about how to, how to properly uh, approach that, uh, that uh, rest of the season for her, which races she's going to do. Um, what, I mean, you always have to think about what happens if I rock up to a 70.3 and I have a technical problem or, or a DNF for one reason or another, and then you have to have a backup plan. Um, but you still want to be able to have a decent build-up for Kona, even in that kind of situation. So she was uh, juggling her schedule uh, mm. a bit around for that. And Mary Beth Ellis is another one. Uh, she she had a not a good result in Kona. Um, she had a 70.3 result. I think Panama, she got a couple of points. Then she got second in Melbourne. But she still needs about the same number, another 800 or not, uh, to 1,000 points to, to uh, make it to Kona. She'll probably do a couple of uh, 70.3s. And I really look forward to the St. George uh, 70.3 uh, in, in May, uh, which is the North American Regional Championships for 1,500 points. I guess a lot of the North American athletes will rock up there and um, try to get a couple of points for, for their Kona slots. Nice. Um, I, one of the questions I put to you is who's in the shit um, <laughs> in terms of uh, you know so potentially some of the big hitters who we would like to see in Kona but really have got their work cut out for them uh, to get there. So maybe roll off a few of the, the people you think are going to be long shots or going to have to do you know a couple of Ironmans to get there. Well, I mean, the, the obvious one is, is uh, Bevan Doherty uh, who DNF'd uh, in Kona and who also DNF'd in, in New Zealand. So he's sitting at less than a thousand points uh, after some 70.3 race in, in New Zealand. Um, he needs 2,500 to 2,600 points to, to get up there. Um, I don't really see, well, I mean, his, he, if he really wanted to go after a Kona slot, I think his only viable strategy is would would be to go to Frankfurt and try to race one of the regional the regional championships there, or see where he is and decide something to do later in the season. He may be one of the the athletes that decides it's not worth to go after a Kona slot at this time of the year, uh, with the results and the points that he's sitting at, and maybe think about something else that um, he wants to pursue. Uh, maybe Metaman, who's who's pretty good paying race from as far as I heard. Um, so at some points, uh, the WTC tra strategy of using the KPR to get people to race as many 
um, WTC races might might actually backfire. Uh, a couple of other athletes I was sp- speaking to said, well, basically qualifying for Kona is not realistic for me. Maybe I should uh, focus uh, on something else. Um, a lot of them say, okay, if it's not Kona, I focus on 70.3s. But some may also choose a uh, challenge or f- three races to, uh, to do. Hmm. Um I'm always interested for the guys now that are, you know, you're, you're second to third tier guys. And I guess, you know, we always come back to Pete Vabrusic. He's probably in that category. But another couple that spring to mind for me is someone like Peter Robertson, who, you know, he, he's um, obviously got a, an amazing short course record and, and he got somewhere in the top 10 in, in Melbourne and has identified that he wants to go to Kona and, and do well there. So for those guys now that are in that sort of second to third tier and say they're, you know, if they go to a region, championship where there's better money better points and they might get eighth or ninth or somewhere around that seventh are they better off going to the regional championship races or are they better off um trying their hand at some of the what you would call slightly weaker field races maybe a, a los carbos or a sweden or a Coeur d'Alene or port macquarie one of those races that have low prize money but now they're all two thousand point races well that's a Really tricky question because I don't think there's any easy Ironman uh, races anymore. Uh, no, no easy points to get um, in in the race calendar. Um, I had a look at the finishing times, and once once you um, try to put in some is 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 it a hard course or a slow course, uh, you basically end up with all races being more or less equal, and um, no pre determined uh, easy races that, that you could pick. Um, you sometimes have a, a, a bit of luck in choosing a field or something goes on and a lot of pros uh, do not start or a DNF or you have uh, atrociously small fields like like France last year. I think they had four females finishing the race and or like seven or eight males. Um, that might be easy easier races to get a few points but coming back to my earlier analysis, you basically need to be in the top three to get enough points to contend for a Kona slot. Mm. And I don't think there's an easy Ironman on the calendar anymore that would allow you to get to that level just by by uh, going there and being in the field and just finishing. I mean, you really need to be in top shape to get there and you really need to be in top shape to to get among the top three. Another one of interest, especially for your uh, for your German listeners, is Jan Fredino, and clearly he's had some fantastic seventy point three results. You know, he's won in Auckland, he won somewhere else the other day in a crushing victory. So he's clearly going to have, you know, out of his five results, um, probably three wins from seventy point three races. So what's he going to need to do when he goes to Frankfurt in order to, you know, probably have enough points? Given that he's going to have three good seventy point threes, how many points roughly do you think he'll need to pick up there and, and what does that translate to in terms of a place in Frankfurt well he's at 2250 right now let's say he gets another at least 250 points from from a third uh, 70.3 so he'll be sitting at 2500 if my 3400 uh, number to qualify for the men's is okay he would need another 900 points which is uh, ninth or tenth place in a, uh, a regional championship, or mm. sorry, ninth or eighth place in a regional championship. So, 
I don't think that's the level that uh, that he's thinking about. Um, if he rocks up to Frankfurt and is in good shape and actually goes through uh, an Ironman and is not surprised by the by the length of the race and runs into nutritional issues, um, he, he could easily be in the top five. There would be my guess. Um, whether that means he can race well in Kona, I mean, it's the same story that we've seen with with Bevan, with Bevan uh, last year. Uh, his first race went well. And he's been struggling in Ironman races since then, mm. but qualifying for Kona is definitely in the uh, in the cards for Jan. Okay, and um, you've obviously always got your <coughs> ear to the ground a little bit closer to what we have in terms of who's doing what. So, what have what have you heard on the the rumor mill in terms of uh, where some of the real big names are going to be racing this season? Well, from what I heard, Frankfurt is going to be a great race again this year. Um, Sebastian Keenler is going to do his validation race there. Um, Frederick van Leder is going to be there. I, th- I initially thought he'd, he'd try to defend in France again, mm. but probably Frankfurt is the better ping race, so he goes to uh, Frankfurt. Um, so that'll be uh, three interesting uh, men in addition to the, to the usual suspect showing up in Frankfurt um, for contending for the win and for the for the points were there. Um, another one that I'm not sure where what, what his plans are going to be now, it would be Marino. Um, after his result in, in Melbourne, he's sitting at 1,600 points, so he needs mm-hmm. uh, basically 2,000 points or more than 2,000 points to make it to Kona. He might try to go the risky route of, of doing 70.3 and then a smaller uh, Ironman like, like Austria or Switzerland. Um, but my gut feeling is that, especially after his, his uh, race last year wasn't so good in Frankfurt, he'll go back to Frankfurt and try to contend uh, in in the big field again because his mindset is always he wants to race against the best and uh, measure himself against the the absolute top athletes out there. So I guess he'll he'll show up in Frankfurt too. Very good. Hey, um, and so just about yourself, you've um, tell us a bit about the the KPR Observer because uh, that's something you you've got out. So goodness, you got things breaking in the background. Um, tell us a bit about what the KPR Observer is and uh, and yeah, if people are interested in it, how they can get their hands on it. Yeah, I got a lot of questions about the KPR and where I think the cutoff will be and what certain athletes will do. So um, after a lot of people prodded me, I put up the KPR Observer, uh, which is basically a description of how the KPR works and where my uh, estimates or projections for the cutoff are going to be and where they're coming from. Um, And that's a pretty long PDF describing the system and the information that is there. And in addition to that, I have uh, ongoing uh, email updates during the season, uh, updating people uh, who, who I consider having a safe slot already, uh, how the cutoffs are going to move uh, up or down, and uh, where athletes are. And uh, I offer that as a, as a paid product for $24. Basically, you get all the uh, base package and the updates during the season. And if you want to have a look at that, um, there's information on tryrating.com. Um, some more details and description about what what the product does and feedback I got was pretty good so far a couple of athletes were really happy that I didn't have to go to the to the Ironman website and didn't figure out uh, the changes from week to week Um, I send up uh, updates every two to four weeks is what I plan and I have a graphical way of uh, distilling all the information that the uh, WTC folks put out there uh, with some assessment of who, who's who's already safe uh who needs a couple more points and who's right on the bubble 
Nice. Yeah, but the other thing you're doing, which I, he always gives me a hard time because I always forget to do it, but iampredictions.com, I am is a hyphen? I am hyphen predictions. Yeah, or dash or dash <laughs> dash.com and uh I am dash predictions.com. What what's um what's the next race? Um ba- well basically we had a big group of races right going right now. The next one is Australia in later in May. Okay. And then there's uh Texas and Lanzarote coming up. Um yeah, we're going to put up um um pages uh, that show the pro field um, points that you would get if you pick them for the for either winning or top three, and then we send out information after the races how your picks have done, and we do a ranking of the best bets uh, over the whole season. We plan to do a lot of races going up to uh, to Kona, which will be our final race, and then we'll have some prices for the best uh, people uh, or the best picks overall the whole season. Championship and, uh, even though you missed a few races, you still have a chance because we're not going to uh, count all the races and all the results, but probably like two-thirds or ha- somewhere between half and two-thirds of all uh, races will be the number. So if we do 20 races, only your best 10 uh, will count toward uh, the final result. So even though you missed a few now, you still have a chance to get John. Well, to be honest, I'm just giving everyone a head start. That's what I'm doing. It's my strategy. It's just, you know, false sense of security. Like, <laughs> likewise to me, my picks have been atrocious. So you, you haven't got a lot of catching up today. <laughs> well, maybe we can get you on the show to make your picks as uh, when you're discussing all the upcoming races. We should do that. We should do that. Awesome, Torsten. Um, anything else you want to go over? I guess we covered it all. Um, uh, well, we, we discussed Marino. That was a request that I got. Um, lots of people are still um, a bit open. Um, w- one athlete I would really like to see uh, step up is, is uh, Mel Hauschild, who's still undecided. Um, uh, Annabel Luxford will probably go up to uh, Ironman 2. Lots of the return athletes, um, the Wirtels, are still somewhat up in... in uh, uh, discussion what what they're going to do. Uh, Jordan Rapp. Oh, one athlete we absolutely missed was uh, Andreas Relat. Um, yeah. He DNF'd in, in Kona. Uh, he tried to race a late season race uh, in Western Australia, DNF'd as well. So he's sitting at zero points for now. Um, I haven't heard him announce any formal plans. So my guess is, is uh, if he wants to do Kona this year, he'll show up in Frankfurt too. Mm, interesting times. Awesome. Well, thanks as always as you t- for your time, Torsten, and uh, and all your efforts that you put into tryraining.com. It's where we go to most weeks when there's a race coming up. So appreciate it. Hopefully all the listeners appreciate it too. And if you want to find out more, go to those websites. You go tryraining.com, and that's got a link through there to the KPR Observer, and that's where you can stay on track for all things qualifying for Kona. So thanks for your time, Torsten. Thank you, guys. Jumbo, the big question I have is, is Bevan out? Uh, I think probably possibly for this year. I don't. I don't actually know, but yeah, it's gonna be pretty hard for him, isn't it? It is because he's gonna have to peak for a race, really peak for a race somewhere and go and win it. So, you know, let's say uh, I wouldn't have. I would have thought that I don't know when the North American Championships are, are on, but that would probably be the easiest place for him to get all the points. But if you've got to be in good shape for that, um, yeah, he does race in America. Like he often does Alpatrias, mm. you know. So he does mm. spend time over there in races. Mm. So I would say if he doesn't do well this year, he's not going to be a factor. Do you see him? Do you see him kind of moving on? Uh, I think he'll keep racing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And if he can't sort out the stomach thing and get his nutrition right, then he's he's screwed. And yeah, he'll he probably I would assume go back to seventy point threes and Olympics to American races and just settle down a bit. 
It's just really interesting because he can't make much money in the last. No, he's got pretty good sponsors. Yeah, I suppose you could see a side of it. Um, uh, any other any other thoughts? Um, no, I think we covered it all in the issue. Okay. Very good. Torsten knows his stuff. Knows his stuff. That's why we call him the geek, guys. That's why we call him the geek. Okay. Um, sponsor. Extreme Endurance. They've got their new Execute out now in a bag. 30 servings there. So it used to come in a small pottle, which is, I think, half the size. So you can get a nice, big, juicy bag of it. So 30 what do you mean? You get more? You get more. Oh, I'm nice. sure it must be better value for money. So you get 30 servings for uh, 59.95, or you get... What is the goodness of what? Execute. Execute. Nice. Execute. Okay, we've got an email from Matt Regan. He's got um, training for Ironman Switzerland in July. Legs have been getting sore on my longer runs. And was debating taking extreme endurance, but didn't know if I'm using it for four straight months, would the body build up a tolerance to it and minimize the effects of it? So he's basically wondering if he's going to be using it going into Switzerland. Is he best just to be using it closer to the race? Because that seems to be what you do. Whereas Sandy often says keep on it all the time. So, yeah. so just with the execute there, they have got that new 30 servings out. And the old one was 15 servings, which is 35.95. The new one's um, 30 servings, 57. Buy in bulk, John. Buy save in, some money. Buy in bulk, yep. Uh, so back to the question we just had there from Matt Regan. There's a couple of different ways you can, you can go at it. I, I certainly, you, you won't lose the effects of it in terms of the, the muscular soreness you know that, that will be sustained and to, the, I guess the way you look at it is I'm going to be on it and I'm going to get the benefit from all the time and I'm going to be less sore in training and then I'll be able to train at a you know hopefully at, an, at a new level and my performance will improve that way or you use it as a as a builder into the race and where you're going to have you know less sore muscles going into it so either way works but you know if you want to have that longer be able to train it at a higher level for a longer period and be less sore in your training then you're on it all the time or you use it as, as sort of a race race um, period boost the one thing that I would definitely say and um, whichever path you go down you definitely want to be using it around all your build up races because that's when you're going to get the most amount of muscle fatigue and that's going to kick you in the ass for, for the longest amount of periods so if you're building up to an Ironman race and say you've got uh, a, a half Ironman in, in your build up and a couple of Olympics you definitely want to be on it when you're going through those events to, to just to try to aid your recovery so mm. good times okay so if you want to get some extreme endurance go to xendurance.com and put in a discount code I am talk five you get five bucks off and Kiwis and Aussies you can just get it through me and I've now so, so, so you don't need to email Bevan all the time now you yeah, go I'm persistent you go to coachjohnnewsome.com and I've got a little shop page got a shop page there. I saw yep so you, you can got just, a shop you just save the emails to Bevan and just go on there and it's got all the details when you walk into your shop email. do you say how do you say hello Guten Tag. Guten Tag. Keep it German. Keep it German. Okay, guys, we've got another interview. So last week we asked on discussion of the week, we asked what were your ways around getting around heat in either racing or training, and uh, we're going to be covering this with our next guest, which is... Sue, and we're going to find out if we get the pronunciation right, but I think it's Aquila. Okay, and I wouldn't even have a clue. Here we go. Um, okay, on today's show we have Sue Aquila, who's one of the coaches with Endurance Corner, and she's also the 2013 overall Ironman All-World Athlete Champion in the women's 45 to 49. So, another one of the strong athletes from the Endurance Corner crew and uh, and a coach. So, first time I've had on the show. So, welcome along to the show, Sue. Thank you so much for having me. You guys do a great job. Thanks, Sue. Hey, so can I ask, um, was that a motivator throughout the year or did you, was it something you kind of go, oh, jeepers, I'm in this position for uh, winning, winning the All-World Championship? Well, you know, it was funny that you mentioned it because it was new last year. Yeah. 
So I actually didn't even know it existed. And what happened was we were uh, chasing a Kona qualification. And I ended up doing three Ironmans and five half Ironmans last year. Crikey. And, uh, and did well in everything. So somebody in my family saw this thing about all-world athlete and said, hey, right before Kona, you should, you should look up and see how you're ranked. And, you, and, you're <laughs> and I had no idea. And I'm like, oh, I'm number one. <laughs> Nice, very good. So it was kind of funny, but um, it it was you know it's I think it's a fun way to, you know, see how you're doing relative to your competition, and and the best part was that at Galveston the line is really long for the seventy point three registration, and they let you cut the line if you're an all world athlete. Oh really? Oh there you go. This perks. Hours. Oh, I've got to try it. So that was really great too. Cool. So, Sue, tell us a bit about yourself. You know, we haven't had, had you on the show before, so maybe just explain a bit about your um, athletic background and, and we know you're doing coaching and whether you do that on a full-time basis or part-time and, and I believe you've got a bit of a family going. So um, tell us a bit about, you know, where, where you're at so people know what angles you're coming from. Sure. I uh, played field hockey in college, which you guys are familiar with. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, uh, and basically, I think I was overweight my whole life um, and picked up triathlon around 2007. I was turning 40 and I thought I needed a bucket thing. <laughs> and I remember in high school in the U.S., we watched ABC's Wide World of Sports. And I saw Julie Moss cross, uh, crawl across the finish line. I went, how cool is that? <laughs> but never thinking I could do it. So at... 40, I decided to try, a friend had me try a triathlon, and I got hooked, and I decided that I should do an Ironman. So I did my first one, which was in Wisconsin, um, and then shortly thereafter, I found Gordo Byrne had started coaching and was fortunate that he started working with me, and um, in the process, I've lost about 50 pounds mm-hmm. uh, and went from a back-of-the-pack athlete that was literally almost making a cappuccino in transition to uh, someone that's now competing on the pointy end. So it's been a really great adventure and great journey. And Gordo got me. He was the one that pushed me to get into coaching and and do all this other stuff. Um, I don't do this full time. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I started my own business in 1996. And I actually started a chain of bagel stores. And then I have some other businesses I do as well now. So um, yes. So, what, what in terms of yeah, I'm, I'm sure people are interested um, in just the regarding yeah, in the bagels, but also in terms of your weight loss. You know, was it um, simply just improve nutritional habits, or was there any um, real trigger point that helped you to to lose weight? Uh, I think that part of it was the nutritional habits. Certainly, I have a picture that I keep on my computer with me with my newborn daughter and a bag of Doritos, <laughs> wearing wearing really poor clothes. Um, that motivates me. So part of it was the diet. Part of it was uh, finding an athletic lifestyle yeah. that I could incorporate into my life. As my business matured, I found I had more time, um, and I really didn't want to be that same person. Mm. So I really focused on training in a sensible way and eating sensibly. Nice. So, and, and whereabouts are you based? Uh, Bloomington, Indiana, home of Indiana University. Very good. And, you know, our topic today is going to be, you know, around um, hot races and, you know, who should do them, tips in mm-hmm. terms of preparing for them. Is uh, I've got no idea. Is where you live uh, hot year-round or is it um, hot and cold or what, what sort of climate have you got uh, to deal with? We have hot and cold. Right. So uh, summers are really hot and humid. 
Um, this winter has been horribly cold. Mm-hmm. And and so when you say you know you've you've gone off and done Galveston uh, seventy point three just this weekend, been so you would have gone into that race assumably with uh, pretty cool temperatures under your belt. Yes, in fact, uh, I did have a training block. I, I go to the Caribbean and I have some nice. training blocks there, and then I went to Tucson nice. for a camp, endurance corner camp, and had a nice two week block there. Then I came home to winter again, and it really had maybe one or two rides outside nice. before Galveston. So, and Galveston is typically hot. Mm. So I really had to prepare for it to be ready for the race. And it seems like you go and almost go out of your way to pick hot races. You've done Texas, Louisville, World Champs, Cayman Islands, <laughs> uh, Galveston. I call, it, I call it the Surface of the Sun series. Is there a reason for that? Or you just like racing in the heat? Uh, I don't like racing in the heat. I think, and I really advocate this for people, um, when it, the weather conditions are great for some of these races, like Coeur d'Alene and things where they're a little bit cooler, everyone races well. Mm-hmm. People really do well when the conditions aren't extreme. When the conditions are extreme, if you're a person that enjoys thinking, enjoys problem solving, and wants to push to the pointy end, I think hot races really give you an opportunity to get a leg up on your competition. Uh, interesting thinking. So, I mean, one of the points you made there is, you know, in terms of hot races, um, who should choose hot races? Do you think it's uh, as much as a, a body shape type of thing or is also that a mindset kind of thing plays a pretty big role in it? Well, and I, th- I think you have an excellent point. Part of it's the physio- physiological composition. Um, you tend to have to be a little bit leaner to do hot races. Little units tend to do better than – small units tend to do better than big units, although a smart big unit can really excel at a hot race. Um, and then I think you really have to have a very disciplined mindset. You have to look at uh, what your reactions are to extremes. I have some friends that I know that are, it seems to be guys, they're, they're the kind of guys that somebody cuts them off in traffic, get mad. Mm-hmm. Um, a hot, just like in cities, when it's hot, crime increases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing for races. <laughs> when it's hot, anger issues, you know, you'll see these guys, they'll go out in a blaze of glory on the bike. It's hot. They're being aggressive, you know, and their day's over in T2. Yeah. Mm. So, so you really have to have, I think, a very uh, disciplined mindset and not be so reactionary. So, so you, you were saying that for the, if you know your, your own personal kind of character traits that, uh, that you maybe need to work on a bit more control or discipline um, or being more conservative in your racing, this could be a tool to actually learn that skill. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Right. But it takes, you have to practice all that self-control in your training too. Mm. And that's really hard for people, especially people that always train with groups that, you know, are motivated by others. Yeah. You really have to be someone that, you know, can do things on your own and control your training and know how to take your easy days easy and your hard days hard. Mm. So, so at, you know, you've also, another point you made is, is why people should perhaps choose hot races. And one, as you've pointed out already, is, um, you know, it can be an opportunity for the smart athletes and the smaller athletes to excel. But have there been other things that have motivated you or athletes that you've worked with as to, as to perhaps why they should you know, try to pick out those slightly more difficult races? Well, I think if you really hate cold and you find that you just shut down, that's one of the reasons. Mm. Uh, I also uh, think that I think that hot races are an opportunity to often to go someplace nice. And yeah. the last thing is that they're all going to be hot coming up. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the weather cycle is going to change again and we're going to have extremes. So uh, if you only want to race early spring and late summer or fall, um, because you don't like the heat, that's all you're going to get. But if you want to race year-round, you're going to have to learn how to handle the heat. So, so, okay, so when we talk about handling the heat, you know, when you're, when you're coaching somebody and you, let's say they are going to a, like a Kona or, you know, one of the more hotter races in the world, what, what are the strategies for people to actually be as best conditioned as possible for race day when they're going to be, you know, training in, for those races? Yeah. Well, I think the key is train like you normally do. Um, and don't worry about the heat training until 14 days out. So the thing that I always advise for athletes, if you're going to choose to train outside in the summer, if you're getting ready for Kona, whatever, for your key workouts, do them cool. You want to be as fit as possible. You want to be as lean as possible. And right now I'll read on Twitter where someone's getting ready for Texas and they're doing a three or four hour ride on their trainer in the heat, uh, you know, two months out. That's not going to do anything. So besides stress your body out more and you're going to reduce your ability to work hard. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is get as fit as possible and get the best body comp possible. Then 14 days out, that's when we start focusing on getting ready for the race so you're acclimated for the heat. And that was that was a question we had in from um, Chris Leach. He said, "Question for Sue: What would be um, would be what's worked for her personally with time required to heat acclimatize, and also what's worked for big units? We know that six to twelve weeks out is the optimal time for specific training. So, how about a specific heat, uh, specific like heat acclimatization? So, you're really saying it's just really about that 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 final two weeks. It's the final two weeks. So, for instance, before I go to Kona, I'll start. I leave for Kona 10 days out. 14 days out, though, I will start the process. So, uh, again, easy workouts. I want to do as much heat stress as I can. So I'll add clothing if necessary. Um, I'll add a heater to my pain cave. Um, I'll do hot tub sauna work. for 10 to, I'll start 10-minute shifts and build up to 20-minute shifts just to get used to being really uncomfortable. Um, I will practice my race nutrition. And especially for big units, I think a lot of people in that last 14 weeks, they're like, they start obsessing on their body comp. So they try to lose weight at the wrong time. Mm. Uh, Do those key workouts, but practice your race nutrition because the heat stress can be really exhausting. And I think people really can dig a hole if they don't remember to feel properly. Uh, for big units, the difference, I think, I have a great story where I, I had to go down to Louisville for a training weekend. And this is when I first started working with Gordo. And it was a heat warning. And they said, don't go outside. And I had a partner who was a big unit at the time. He was supposed to go with me. And Gordo emails us, tells him not to go, and tells me to go. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so the smaller units can handle more extremes. The big units, you have to be careful. I would do no work the last 14 weeks in heat training that was above, um, for big units, above steady. I would mm-hmm. really pace myself. For the small units, we can do some mod hard work um, and not dig too big of a hole. So works really well. The other key is the hydration issue. People just, when you do the hot work, you got to hyperhydrate afterwards to build your blood plasma volume. So, and what I recommend is electrolytes and carbs. Mm-hmm. Don't skimp again. Really, really try to get your system flushed and ready to go. Um, and then the supplementation. I do some things. There's some studies that have shown with beet juice that it can lower your metabolic rate. So I do some stuff with beet juice beforehand. Um, there's some incidental uh, 
evidence that magnesium citrate can help your body handle heat. So I do some supplementation with that. And then the sodium and the electrolytes. Very nice. Sounds, uh, I mean, I, I totally concur with this stuff in terms of, uh, you know, going to Kona and stuff for our camp. You guys will have heard me talk about it a lot before with our 70.3 camp is, um, yeah, within within a week, you know, of fairly high volume but low intensity, we're pretty much fully locked in and uh, and ready to go. It's obviously a bit more tricky when we're going direct from Christchurch over to Kona, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, but in terms of, you know, for my preparation for Kona this year, I won't be, yeah, won't be worrying too much about the heat until that final sort of uh, two and a half weeks or so. So yeah. I totally concur with what um, with what Sue's going on about I suppose here. the question I have, Sue, is that, you know, if you are doing your, your prep for heat, um, and that kind of 12, 14 days before the race, uh, which is, you know, as you say, you, before that point, it's about getting lean and mean, really. Um, but, you know, what are the dangers? Because if you are going into the heat and obviously you're moving to your taper period as well. And so there's this fine line of, OK, how do I get as best heat acclimatized as possible, but also have an effective taper so I'm fresh and ready on race day? Oh, absolutely. And I think that's where you people have to work really closely with their coach. Because if you start seeing the signs of fatigue, you got to pull back from it. So, uh, and I don't know about you guys, but I see so many athletes, they taper it from the training, but then they use all that extra time to like jam everything in their life into yeah, that time, yeah. right? Yeah. So they start digging a hole mentally, whatever, on work, family, whatever is going on, instead of just actually resting. And I think that's what we can tell people is you have to rest. And when you're not heat training, you got to be cool. So I keep my bedroom at 60 to 65 degrees, and I sleep cool. Yeah. Um, and if I'm lucky, a Conan can find a place with air conditioning <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or up higher in the mountain. That's great. Uh, but at Kona, I really, I literally get there, and for the 10 days till four days before, I do my workouts in the hottest part of the day, but I don't do much else the rest of the day. Mm-hmm and stay cool but you really have to communicate with your coach or pay attention to the signs that if the hole gets too deep you got to pull out of it yeah so how how differently do you approach um i, I mean i don't know if, if the galveston 70.3 was a, a super high priority race for you but let's say that that was one of your peaks for the for the season um how would you approach that race differently given that you're going out of winter and let's assume you haven't done a training block anywhere gone to um uh tucson or gone gone anywhere else if you were based at home in the cool conditions um and then going to a race that's going to be pretty toasty what sort of things would you be doing differently um for that event well i I actually did it this time so uh, my easy runs i have a treadmill in a small room and i heat it up and then I put on a winter hat and uh, a, knit to- a knit top that held the heat in. And I had plenty of liquids right there, electrolytes with me. So same thing with I had a two-hour capped ride, heart rate cap ride. Same thing, made it 80 degrees, plenty of fluids, did that kind of work. Uh, sauna, I found it, I have a friend that has a sauna shower. And this thing gets so hot, I'm not sure how it's legal. <laughs> but I, I literally have to put a bowl over the spigot so I don't get scalded by this thing. Wow. But I've learned to take my iPad in in a, a uh, plastic baggie so I can at least read something while I'm suffering. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I take electrolyte drink in there with me with ice. Hmm. So, um, again, the key workouts, though, I'm doing no heat training. I'm trying to stay cool. Yeah. 
Nice. Um, and, and obviously, we had quite a few suggestions that we'll go through um, later on in terms of you know race execution and um, mm-hmm. strategies that, that you use in the race and, and you advise um, in, in order to try to keep yourself as cool as possible. Yeah, a, a race day execution is key. Um, you know, I tell people to stop checking the weather all the time. <laughs> people get, especially before these hot races, they get totally obsessive about the weather. It's going to be hot. And if it's not, bonus, you're in really fit and you're ready to go. Yeah. So, so stop checking the weather. A couple things that I've suggested um, and that I've actually done is consider a slushy before mm-hmm. the race. Um, you can do it for breakfast. It's nice if you can take it to the race site and do it, you know, 30 minutes before the race begins just to cool yourself down. Um, you can have a cooling vest. I have some people that have cold camelbacks they've worn. Uh, sometimes I've frozen my fuel belt and it goes against my back and the drinks are really cold. I put a little cooler there just to keep them really cold. Um, I do short to no warm-up. I make sure that I'm hydrated well. I've got electrolytes. I'm really big about minimal clothes. Um, having said that, I have friends that I know race really well with some of the arm coolers. Yep. So I think if you, again, practice it in training, if it works, that's great. And it's a nice thing that you can easily discard if it doesn't work. Mm. Uh, I spend most of the race soaking wet. Um, I'm always amazed how much people don't drench themselves. So I'm usually trying to get that gasp effect, you know, when you get that cold bottle mm. and you pour it in your neck. And I feel like if I can get that gasp effect, I feel things get a little cooler for me. So I, I, my bike shoes and my running shoes, I want to burn <coughs> after every race. But it really helps me stay cool. Um, I don't wear deodorant because I want to sweat as much as possible. I, I do wear sunscreen. A lot do, of people, do people seriously put deodorant on the morning of a race? Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, you got to be pretty, right? God. <laughs> people like want – yeah, people really do put deodorant on. Oh, God. Um, uh, I wear sunscreen because I really think if you start to burn, that inflammation response can't help yeah. on race day. Um, I don't believe in getting tanned before the race because I'm just not ba- – we get enough sun exposure. I don't want to add to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm naturally kind of a little bit dark, so that's okay. Um, but I really – I think sunscreen and preventing you know that kind of inflammation response from starting is super important. Um, if you know the swim's really hot, experiment with ice in your swim cap before the start. Yeah, nice. Have you um, that one? It, it just – I think – First, I know some people will pull accidentally pull the swim cap off. Yeah. Even though we're not supposed to. Yeah. Um, so if you're not going to do that, experiment with some ice. Um, on the bike, I think that you know, like I said, a lot of people go on a blaze of glory. Reduce reduce your pacing. Have a heart rate cap on the bike. If your heart rate um, starts to go up, you're dehydrated. If your heart rate starts to fall, you need more. You need to eat more. You need more carbs. So it's a great tool in hot racing to monitor. Um, and the big thing is the mood swings. You know, if you're on the bike and all of a sudden you just hoping your derailleur bursts into a million pieces, <laughs> uh, generally that means people aren't keeping up on their nutrition. Very good. So um, that, adjusting the watts based on heart rate, though, is the number one key on the bike. Staying drenched on the bike is really also the key to great execution. I don't wear an aero helmet in hot races. But I do have the new Evade, um, and I'm not sponsored by them. 
Yeah. But what I like about the helmet is that there are some vents in the back, and when you're in aero position, you can get the water on your head. Yeah. So that I find really helps me when I'm racing on the bike. Um, when I get to the run, again, reduce pacing with the heart rate cap. I put ice everywhere. I wear a if you if you wear a cap, you can put a lot of ice in your head. Um, I put ice in my bra. I put ice in the back pockets of my tri top. I've tried ice in the shorts; wasn't for me, but I know a lot of people that do it effectively. <laughs> mm. uh, guys seem to prefer it more. Um, ice in your hands can be very helpful. So every aid station, I'm making sure. And if you see me run by you, you can hear the ice chinkling <laughs> as I go by. <laughs> so it's always a little bit loud, and I kind of look like uh, if you've ever seen the picture of Joan Benoit Samuelson in the winning the gold medal in the Olympics, how her hat's askew. Yeah. I kind of look like that with the hat all over the place with ice in it. Um, so it's really key to make sure that you're dredging, that you're iced. Um, if you don't like a cap, a visor is cool if you're not going to put the ice in it. So that's the other thing that people can do. Well, and they keep it – yeah? Oh, no, I just I think one of the key messages is, is that you're consciously putting effort into keeping cool, aren't you? You know, And then really that's probably one of the things that people listening to this really want to get is that you know, one of your jobs in a hot race is to – continuously doing things do things that are allowing your body to be as cool as possible absolutely how it's the whole race you've got to be thinking heat management heat management heat management yeah and yeah p- pacing is, is critical especially in, in Kona because um, once you overheat and once you've crossed that mark it's um, fairly difficult to get yourself back on the other side absolutely and if you're prone to overheating then you've got You've got some serious work to do before a race like that. Yeah. So we had a couple of other suggestions. Um, a lot of them Sue has, has mentioned. Chris, Chrissy McKinlay was saying ice down the shorts, wear a normal non-aero helmet, um, bike helmet. She says have she has a suntan and don't be carrying any extra pounds as it's insulation. Um, Murray, the Holy Hammer Lapworth, he was over in Kona last year and he said uh, one of the first things you should do is go and listen to episode 67 of I Am Talk, which would have been about flipping six, seven yeah, years ago, um, <laughs> where we had uh, Melina on and he says that Melina's got um, some awesome Kona tips in there. And most of the other things um, that Sue's been talking about, uh, Murray tried over there. Especially a number of people who have said the ice in the hands has worked really well. I haven't actually tried that one. I've had ice everywhere else, but haven't tried that. Uh, and Murray also wore the the, the long sleeve um, arm coolers because he's got really fair skin, and that was a concern for him over there. Um, and I guess one thing that I'm going to try this year is uh, is I'm going to try the full sleeve. Um, really, I've got a skin tight top that I'm going to try on Kona in the 70.3 and see how I cope with that in terms of keeping it really cool. And and obviously there's that trade off of uh, yeah the long sleeve top's going to keep me a bit warmer when it's not um, drenched in water but at the, on the other side of it um, you know it's going to protect me a little bit from the sun which Sue also talked about as um, you know just trying to, to stop that burning happening so a lot of people seem now, to find that successful. Is the top that you're wearing does it have the pockets in it in the back? It does. Great because that's a great place to put ice too I've seen some of those and people seem to like them. Do they hand out ice on, on the bike in Kona at Ironman? Uh, no, nope, no, 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 not on the bike, but no, definitely at the run. run. Yeah, oh, yeah. there we go. It would be uh, littered with bodies. <laughs> exactly. Um, so what else you got planned for this year, Sue? So um, I have Ironman Texas coming up, uh, which is moving to April, as I understand it, next year. Mm. Uh, and there's a rumor it might be going to a time trial start, so that'll be oh, interesting. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
so I've got that planned right now. Um, depending on what happens there, I may be doing Louisville. I'll probably do Muncie again, which is always a very hot race. Um, and uh, hopefully Kona, but we don't know yet. I got to qualify. So, yeah. Um, so same thing. Cool. Right, More good. hot races. <laughs> and um, any any updates from Endurance Corner in terms of you, you, you mentioned you had the Tucson camp. Is anything else uh, coming up in the winds for Endurance Corner? We do. We have got, have got a short little Boulder uh, simulation weekend coming up with the team. So if you're doing I in Boulder, I think that's a great event for people to attend. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we had this past weekend, I think we've had from the Tucson camp, which we will be rolling again next year, we had four people podium at races this weekend. Very nice. So we had quite the field at camp this year, and I, uh, it really paid off. So I'm always, I'd go to that camp every year and really look forward to it. Nice. And obviously, uh, they've got all the, the library of information up there, I'm sure, Sue. You must have a few um, posts up there and articles up there. And um, so, yeah, just I definitely have a few. <laughs> nice. So, guys, if you want to get involved with um, with the crew there, just check it out, endurancecorner.com. You've got the libraries, you've got the camps, you've got the coaching in there. And Sue, if people want to find out a bit more about you, are you um, you're a social media hound or uh you got a website or anything like that where people I do. can find out they more? can certainly reach me through endurance corner or at fe woman that's fe is an iron woman uh on twitter or fewoman.com very nice well uh good luck with the racing and um for the season hopefully we'll see you over in kona in october great and thank you guys because you've been part of my journey too and helped me to improve through the years with all your tips so i really appreciate all you've done for the sport thank you very much so you have a great day awesome you too okay jumbo we're back you may have even been saying coffees of hawaii as i said that as i started Mm. it that's all right john your thoughts yes funny one bevan (laughs) every time a coconut It's a keeper, that one. It's a keeper. Oh, I do. There's something about doing the same joke over and over again that yeah. makes it even better. Yeah, Belinda finds that too when I tell the same one. Yeah, she likes that? Mm. She just keeps on going, give me more? Yeah. She was in my class every morning. She always say that. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee's a full sponsor. <laughs> Mac, uh, mam, uh, what are you saying? Mamike Ginger Tisan. Oh, a bit of tea, John. You like your bit of bloody tea. I do like a bit of tea. The Mamike ginger will rejuvenate your body from the Ooh. deepest level. The Mamike leaf has been used by Hawaiian, uh, by Hawaiian medicine men to purify the body for generations. Oh, John, this ginger is Ginger root is a rich blood cleanser that, as a tea, stimulates circulation and organ function. And these qualities, uh, or add these qualities to the healthy, health, healthful benefits of coffee cherry and you'll feel right as rain in no time it's raining out to the outside today oh, it's, it's miserable really isn't it yeah there. but no um so Although that's not very good because we sit right as rain and then we sound disappointed in rain yeah. so we, we often talk about the coffee i should really be talking about the 100 percent maui coffee today given bevan's going there but they've also got a, a nice range of teas and there's nothing better than well most people tell me that a, that a tea drinkers like yourself and my lovely wife Belinda who's a bit of a tea connoisseur yep. uh, nothing better than a good quality tea and the ginger ginger is fantastic for you I love a bit of ginger get it in a stir fry and um, bloody good for you well I went through a period in my life John when I was when I broke up for 
Who was it, Raylene? Yeah, there was, there was been one. so many of them. Yeah, well, there, there hasn't really. I'm, mm. I'm not that much of a player. But anyway, uh, when I broke up with Raylene, I went back home with my parents, and it was when I was trying to do uh, Kona. Mm. And uh, my dad was a legend. My dad would just, he was like, my boy's going to Kona. He mm. cooked me dinners. I had, <laughs> he had a meat dish. He cooked me a meat dish of carbs every night. Nice. <laughs> which I'd eat. And uh, my dad has two strategies for cooking meals, mm-hmm. either garlic or ginger. Yeah. And well, you'll have garlic, anything, you'll have garlic, Eggs, yeah. or ginger eggs, and after a while, I did it to my dad. Take it easy on the garlic. <laughs> no, it was more the ginger. Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't mind a bit of ginger, but seven oh, nights in a row. Ginger is quality. Oh no, I do like it, but you've got to get yourself. So this this comes loose leaf, three ounces loose leaf for nine dollars ninety five. You've got to get yourself one of them. Like Belinda's got one of those little coffee things. It's like a glass thing, and then you put the coffee loose sleeves in the middle, and it infuses out through that. It's oh no, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. like the, the, the sort of glass thing, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's Maybe I do. Oh, you should get one of them. Because stuff like this makes you, like, I literally, I just kind of drink normal tea, but this kind of stuff, it gives you that kind of oh, yeah. boost, doesn't it? Yeah. And it kind of refreshes you. Belinda loves it. So uh, if you want your teas or your coffees, go to coffeesofway.com. Oh. Quality, nice herbal teas. Check, 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 check it out. Okay, guys. Project 2014 update. Yeah, Jumbo, what's been happening? And we've got, we've got eight minutes to do my update, so yeah. we'll utilise all of that I'll, time. I'll, I'll predict you go... Two and a half. What are you talking about? I'm just saying. I think oh, okay, two yeah, and a half. Yeah, that's my prediction. Okay. So you time it. Uh, if you want to see a little bit of testing last week, I had a bit of a few tests uh, to get things rolling. Uh, last week I did a, a ramp test. So you a basically ramp. go, what, what are you doing on your phone? I'm timing you. Uh, it's timing me, okay. So I did a ramp <laughs> I test. I time you. And one minute, one minute progression starting at 100 watts, which is pretty bloody easy, and then building it up. So uh, what, you go a minute and then you increase your wattage? Increase, you your watt, increase your wattage by 30 watts, and then next minute, increase by another 30, increase by another But do you 30. have a break? Do you go a minute, then no, something off? No so breaks, it's a minute, and another 30. Straight up ramp. Yep. Got up to, I managed to do about 30 seconds at 430 watts, and then crumbled. Um, yeah, I managed to complete 400 watts. So how long is that about? Eight it's minutes? about eight, nine minutes. So yeah. It's a pretty short test, but uh, pretty painful. So the test is how high you can go? You basically go, you've got to complete the stage to say, I did that, that level. So, so you've got you to get to the go, end of that minute. Yeah, and when you do it on the kickers, you know, it's all pre-programmed and you just, just ride. And, you know, so when I was at 430 watts, um, started out okay for the first 10 or 15 seconds. And um, like, oh, no. But by the time I got to 30, you know, my cadence had dropped. You're just trying to, you're pushing this massive gear and it's just loading and loading and loading. And my cadence dropped to about 60 and it was game over, over. Hmm. So you didn't get that, you Actually, 400 was your score. 400 was my score, 430. Okay. I'll get 430 next time I do it. So that was test number one. So then I did a 20-minute um, tr- uh, test. You're loving on the, the Wahoo kicker, aren't you? Yeah, 20-minute yeah. test on the... He never rides outside now. I don't. I won't be today. 20-minute uh, time trial, and that was uh, 323 watts, which... No, 319 watts. So is this for FTP? But do you use that based on the fact you're an indoor trainer? Yeah, so that's my indoor... I've got indoor numbers and outdoor numbers. Okay. So that was okay. And then the final test was to do... A the maximum length of time I could at the highest level I achieved in the ramp test. So the ramp test I got up to manage to complete the 400 watts. So did a big warm up and then basically pre-program it to go 400 watts and you basically go for as long as you and can. How long did you do that? And I managed to make four minutes. I was quite, I was reasonably happy with that. So the question I have for you, Newsom, Coach John Newsom, mm-hmm. is uh, did you also in one day? No. No, that okay. was spread out over a week. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, because so, it wouldn't be the greatest way to do it. No. You also apparently, I just heard through the grapevine, you did uh, two sessions of short, high intensity reps. 
Well, you heard the, the grapevine wasn't talking very well to you. Well, That's what's it? coming up. Oh, <laughs> the grapevines. Yeah. Oh, it's a fortune teller. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. So, <laughs> You're, apparently, wait a second. Um, a hill whip session as well, maybe. Actually, did that yesterday. You oh, so you, you, you know it's okay. Hackthorne Road. <laughs> you know it's a crap. Well, that was, I did it before I'd done my, done my ride. So I was up and down your hill five times yesterday. Oh, you should have come see light. Yeah, it was slightly marginal conditions. It wasn't probably the safest going down the hill. Sort of four, four or five o'clock last night, a little bit of drizzle around, a bit dodgy. So yeah, basically my week's going to be You race down the hill? No, I take it very slightly yeah, down the hill. Uh, so this week's going to be my hill reps, which are not crazy ass intense. And then I'm going to have two other sessions where I'll be doing uh, reps of two and a half minutes, uh, basically at my 400 watt level, going mental. And I basically do as many reps as I can at that intensity. I'm going to be doing that for the next... I uh, predict... 400 watts for two and a half minutes yeah. and you did four minutes for your max yeah uh, I have three yeah well, I've, I've got to, I've got to want to try to get to five but I'll give five minutes recovery in between each one but it's going to be you know it's supposed to be a uh, mental session maybe four no you're not getting five we'll see <laughs> prove, prove you wrong <laughs> and you're doing one of those sessions uh, either on the road or on the trainer and then the second session is going to be on the rev box which is going to create some additional challenges I may need to scope my wattage down slightly for that because it's uh, pretty, no, pretty intense I know the rev box is quieter yeah but it's still kind of loud. It's oh, yeah, it's still loud. But does Belinda kind of get annoyed with you? I don't use the reef box at home. I go to the, the yeah, You go to the store rec- and use it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of intense. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just coming in for a training ride, guys. Yeah. I've got a little room, the little uh, bike Five hours later? There. Yeah. So... Could you use it at home or would it be too In the late? carriage would be fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I wanted to have band practice at home. Joe wasn't keen. Sorry? Oh, yeah, no, no. Huh? Uh, it's not too bad. Pull rank on that one. Yeah. So that's it. How many minutes was I? I'll give you... A 310 oh, okay. I did a 1k time trial in the pool the other day I was quite happy with that as well managed to hold uh, it's about 20 seconds you need to stop faster. testing yourself oh, no, you need to be training what, that's, what, that's, what, that's what the next uh, last week's all about testing week and uh, what did I do questions <laughs> and I'm going to start running this week on Saturday 30 minute run on Saturday up in Hamner going to give it a little you got Hamner again yep should buy a house here should do ah don't do it mm. don't do it Patches is just another house you have to work uh-huh. on John Boo just, uh, we don't really have questions and answers, but I did get something to review for you from Jason. And we gave Jason a nickname last week. I haven't got his last name in front of me, but um, no, I don't have his last name in front of me, unfortunately. But Jason, he actually, when he did a donation, he said, can you, can you give me this nickname? And the reason he did was a while ago, we were talking about on the show about him and his wife, and I can't remember what it was, but I said he should give her a dirty pash. Mm-hmm. And he loves the dirty pash, and he wants to be, that to be his nickname. So, um, And you gave him Professor Migger? I don't know, I'm just opening out the thing. Yeah, it was obviously one you probably just got from a generator. <laughs> so basically, maybe I'll try to find it because I think I've already got it open. So let me have a look here. So from last week's nicknames, um, Jason, 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 Jason. No, no. Jason, yeah, McFowl. And uh, you gave him, but we're going to call it the, the dirty Professor pash. Mega, not Mega. Oh, Mega. <laughs> wait a second. He, he's misspelled it then because <laughs> he doesn't know what Mega He's got to even know what Mega means. <laughs> <laughs> Mega. That's a cool name, Professor Mega. <laughs> don't even know what Mega means. It's a cool <laughs> Maybe it's our accent. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he thinks that. <laughs> Mega, it's like massive, yeah, big, no, no, strong, no. Me- Megatron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's, he obviously heard it wrong because he spelled it M I G A, and he's got, he goes, John named me Professor Mega. I don't even know what Mega means. Man, these these nicknames are getting progressively worse. I was struggling yesterday, going, man, these are weak. <laughs> 
So anyway, he's, we're not coming for free to <laughs> We're calling him the Dirty Pesh. Okay. Because I think his wife likes a bit of a Dirty Pesh. That's what I'm going to say. DP. <laughs> bit of a DP. <laughs> DP. That's, that's <laughs> his word. You can't even nickname Dirty Pesh. Just go DP. People go, <laughs> you go. <laughs> I'm going to have to think that one through. I can't go there. Let's <laughs> just say this. I can't do it. Oh, okay. DP. 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 There's only one I was laughing. Let's just think. Joe, we need a moderator here. DP represents, babe? Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. You're on your own, Bevan. I'm sure lots of other people understand where I'm with this one. Maybe, maybe I'm confused. Anyway, uh, DP or I think Dirty Pesh is probably a better one. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, we need to we put a pause on. We're back in a second. <clears throat> okay, we're back and uh, and we did an interview in, in this in that gap. But John also did a search on Urban Dictionary for DP. Just put DP and uh, I, just, I just Google searched it and he's digital photographer <laughs> or <laughs> digital performer. But the first thing that does come up is the meaning that Bevan was meaning. So if you want to find out what DP is, just type DP into Google and uh, you'll find and it. And I think it's probably not a good nickname after all. DP, no, digital performer. <laughs> digital performer. So anyway, that's, uh, uh, anyway that, that leads in well actually, John, because we're going to do the nicknames for this week's eBooks. And uh, again, if you want to, um, let's see, I'm just changing that to Dirty Pesh, the Dirty Pesh. Um, if you, you want to go to Kona. Yeah, you keep talking. If you want to go to Kona. <laughs> Buy an ebook for 30 bucks, you get your airfares, you get your uh, accommodation, get a food allowance, and you basically get a free trip to Kona. So it's going to be all good in the hood, week's accommodation, and uh, come meet us in October. Okay, you, some, you go first. Righty ho. First up, we have uh, Carlin Rocky Doikson. Nice. I don't no, know why dun, I call dun, it dun, Rocky. Dun, dun, dun. Magic Melanie Walsey. Nice. Magic Melanie. It's good. The squeeze, Daniel Whitehead. White. Oh, that's a good the one. Squeeze. I like that. It's good. Uh, Craig Hotakam Hills. Now, where's that come from? Hotakam is. Well, I was thinking hills. You know, think of a big mountain. Yeah. And I wanted a, a really big mountain to begin with H. And there's a great climb in the Pyrenees uh, called Hotakam, which is to a ski station. Nice. And I remember Bjarne Reese winning the Tour de France. I think going biking to Hotakam. Paul Fryer Buck. Monk. Oh, okay, I get Monk, it. But yeah. he, he's also he's part of the pirate. Uh, what is it? The ones of the yellow, the, the yellow tops with the oh, the pirates. The pirates. And I thought back, back in here, shortened it yep. back, fry back. Nice. Megan Evans used to be a great Kiwi triathlete. Uh, I don't know if this is the same Megan Evans or not, but I just called her Kiwi because she was a great Kiwi uh, triathlete. Okay, nice. Gavin Kiwi Crusher. Kiwi Crusher. Add, here we go. Okay, heading to it. And Gavin Wings Kieran. He had a picture, his athletes profile, and he had this era helmet, but the way the picture had been taken, there was like a house behind him, and it looked like he had this ginormous thing on his head, and it looked like a massive big um, sail or a wing, so wings, he also flies when he races. Nice. Smiley Simon Brimacum, nice. he's got a picture with Chrissy Wellington on his uh, his profile, and he's given a big smile, and Chrissy's always got the big smile going as well. Nice. Stuart the Compass Moore, it's an old nickname we've given for him, and Dane, Captain Fusion, Hazeman. Yep. And Michelle Machine Andreas. Nice. And she's the machine. And then you've done. Does that mean you've done? She's She's been done before. Oh, okay. Well, I've got uh, Ricardo. I'm sorry, Roberto. Sorry. Ricardo. Ricardi, maybe? Ricardi, yep. Yeah, Roberto Ricardi. Red Line Racer. 
Nice. This is on that red line, Kevin Hunt, the assassin. Kevin's, it's probably the Kevin Hunt from Christchurch. Because <laughs> he hunts you down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Portelli, um, Moonlight King. Mm-hmm. That can go either way. Uh, Eric Smith is the bright side. Because mm-hmm. I thought of Eric Idle, always look on oh, the yes, bright. Yes. So then on the bright side, Peter Hill, Ida Hill as well, but I'll go KOM. Oh, yeah. Peter Hill, yeah. KOM. Uh, Kath, um, Karen Allen Turner, which spells cat, so I've called her Catwoman. Oh, very nice. Like that. Uh, Alexandra Foster, um, Foster probably. Uh, the Great, Alexander the Great, which is uh, pretty obvious, but I went for it. Uh, Graham Glab, and it's the gorilla. Graham the Gorilla Glab And then we've got Barbara Nelson And she is the Jet Rocket And then we've got John Faye Delivers the Faith Nice Yeah Just I know Faye went with Faith Kind of cool. for me Yeah okay. So again if you want to get to the code books Now we're going to sell it for about another month You reckon I reckon we go to the end of April And we do the draw at the start of May Okay so we've basically got about 100 <clears> to go So if you want to get a book You've got to Basically end of April I thought like Two weeks Is it Let's say Halfway through May Okay Four weeks from now We've got four weeks Okay Good. So spread the word, people. Get you get on your Facebook page. Okay, and- okay, here we go. We're going to close entries on the 13th of May. Okay. Close entries on the 13th of May. Draw it on the 20th. Wait yep, a week. That's a week. I go to Kona that week, so that's fine. And what will happen is I will put, once, once we've closed the entries, I'll put a list of your names on, on our website and you can download it and you can see your number. Mm-hmm. And then what we'll do is we'll draw on the show and so you can see what number you are as, you, as we're going, you know, so you can do that. Sounds then. good. So, and we'll, we'll obviously call out the name. But I'm thinking what we might do is we might do one number at one part of the show. So we might do yep. the hundreds and later on we'll go into the tens. So it kind of makes a bit kind of Sounds good to me. So go to www.imtalk.me, $30 US, and you get yourself the greatest book ever and also the chance to have the greatest Kona experience. Okay, Jombo, uh, sponsors. Coffeesofway.com. Get some Tissan tea. Extreme Endurance Your Lactic Buffer And Athlinks.com Tell us your results Okay Jumbo, What's your goss? Uh, what's your goss? We had Phyllis's Five year old birthday party At the weekend Oh that's right Bouncy Castle How'd Bouncy you go? Castle was a nice day On a Sunday afternoon And then it just got better and better It was raining in the morning And then the, the, end, the sun came out And we were sitting outside Popping a few vinos And it was all good A lot of sugar in our house At the moment though Was that leftover party food? Yeah. Yeah, so a lot, lot of sugar going on. I'm not really. You're not much of a sweet tooth, but I do like my sugar stuff, but I want to get get healthy and um, start losing a bit of flab. Throw it, throw it away. Can't do it, Bim. <laughs> <Can't>, <laughs> cannot do it. <laughs> hey, what kind of sugar you got? Um, we've got some chocolatey slice that Jen Patterson made. We've got some gluten-free chocolate, um, not uh, gluten-free, dairy-free, sort of little, um, what are those chocolate balls with the um, coconut on them? Yeah, I know what you sort mean. Sort of truffle, truffle yep, type yeah, things. Yeah, I know what you mean, yep. And just had lots of chips and yeah. You're a bit crazy. I always go crazy. If the food's in front of me, I'll go crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't buy it and don't have. Yeah, it's it. good strategy. Uh, going off to Hamner this weekend. Oh, what's that for? Just me and Belinda. No kids weekend. Oh really? Yeah. Didn't two, you have no kids weekend away. a couple weeks ago? No. Uh. So who has the kids? Uh, one night each with the in-laws. Nice. Had first day of soccer coaching on Saturday. Oh, that's right. How did it go? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Had to. Do a bit of discipline with one, your one young fella. Why is that? I had to say, look, if you do that again, you're out of this game, buddy. Well, you need to just turn your mic around a little bit. And um, so it's all good. And training's ticking along, starting to get wait, back wait, into wait, it. Wait, 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 back it up. What do you do? Soccer. The kid. Oh, he just wasn't. He, he, my, my, my activity, so we have uh, three teams rotating around. You have three different coaches, and each you have 
four three stations and each coach does one activity so like a skill set thing skill set thing so mine was you have your have a have a top down your pants and you've got to go around pulling the top out of each other's pants like, so like rip, a, rip, rip a rugby, yeah. rugby type thing and one kid was grabbing other kids stuff out of their hands like they'd gone around and collected things and he was grabbing it and and he claimed that oh i, I had it i had it and all the other kids going no he didn't and uh did and you so see it to, john I maybe did, they're picking on him no they weren't no he was he was drunk did you see it sorry did you see it no i did not see uh. it that was me, John. That was me. I was always the kid who was picked on. No, I'm not buying. I'm not buying it. So I just had to do a little bit of discipline. What did you say? Just, and then, <laughs> what was, you know what? It's, what's really bad is when they're feeling a bit down on it after being. And then his mother went mental at him, which was um, helps helped. Yeah. But then he's no good attention. And he packed a sad and started bawling. And then he finally decided to come back on the field during the game. And just as he did that, it was just a freak accident. He tripped over somebody else, sort of running backwards. And then oh, the tears, the, the tears. And then uh, I heard that once years ago, I was doing this kids kind of thing at a school and uh and this one girl who who is just gonna be a debbie downer in life you know just came up to me from the start and, uh, um, and uh and, you know and I, I tried to be really nice to her and you know and all the rest of it and the first thing happens someone kicks the ball in her face plants well her. this is a problem i had on saturday so i had one girl who really didn't want to be there and yeah. i was running around holding her hand yeah, to, to try to get her and get her involved and she did get into it a little bit and so the, I'm thinking, right, I've got to give somebody player of the day. Uh, and at the end of the practice, and the end, just, just, I should have finished the practice. So I said, right, last goal's gonna, gonna, gonna win it. And, um, and Thomas, my son, is standing in the goal, and the other team does this big shot, and it goes way up in the air. And you see the ball coming towards him. He's looking at it, and it just scones him squarely on the face, and he <laughs> lost it, and he was in all sorts of tears. So I thought. If he wasn't my kid, I would have given him player of the day, yeah. but I couldn't, so I had to give it to the other girl. Not week one, you can't give your kid player no, of the day. Even no. if he scored 20 goals, yeah. you can't do it. So, gave the girl, the, the girl who hung in there the player of the day. Mm. Bevan, what's happening in your world? Well, John, the band started asking about names. Yeah. Started talking names last night. Okay. Yeah, we'd have band practice last night. Bevan, with Bevan's crew, Bevan's posse. Yep, that's what I suggested. They were really keen. They were like, wow, that's a great idea. Mm. And uh, so we're thinking of names, which is a, which is a big decision. Uh, we're going to be an originals band. We've decided we're not going to do covers, okay? Because we we want to change the world. Yeah, yeah. Change the world, copying mm -hmm. other people's songs, John. Mm -hmm. Change the world mm -hmm. by creating emotion mm -hmm. through other people. So it was good. Um, do you know what's happening this weekend, Jumbo? I'm going Hamner. Yes. Yeah. And, and maybe if you weren't married, you want to spend some time you, with me you, this weekend. Did, were you uh, tight ass or not? And did you take Joe somewhere nice last week for your anniversary? We went to Border Sticks. Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't actually been there. Belinda's been there a couple yeah, of times. Been to no, I've not been to Buddhist Six. Buddhist Six works. You it's know not, why? It's not in the book. It's not in the book, but it's cheap. <laughs> yeah. So like for a meal out, I think we dropped fifty, oh, and it's with Joe having a wine and me having a drink and mm. a couple of meals. Mm. Pretty good with that. Okay. Nice. It's pretty good. Um, no, we probably dropped a little bit more because we got lunch as well. But the mains are like eighteen bucks mm -hmm. and good, you know, and really tidy, you know, place. Yeah, so yeah, yeah nice. highly recommend. Yeah. Uh, Jombo, this weekend I got a call from someone saying, "Do you want to be an MC? Mm -hmm. Not mm -hmm. MC Hammer, not doing a rap no, show." Although no. I'd put my hand up for that. Yeah, I would. Can't touch this. Is it MC Hammer or not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good work. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I was impressed. Yeah. Uh, no, I uh, guess what I'm going to be MC at. Uh, it's not going to be uh, rumble in the rumble in the rubble. Although WrestleMania 30 was on yesterday, was it? Yeah, <laughs> Hulkamania making made an appearance. Oh God! What you gonna do when the Hulkamania? But he yeah. didn't wrestle. No, he's probably about 80. That's probably why. But he still looks alright for 80. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, no, not not WrestleMania. Okay. Although I'd love to, I would love to be involved with WrestleMania. Okay. Uh, netball. Um, no. What else? Sign Christchurch. What's something I haven't shows? done? Here we go. What's something I haven't done in my life? 
But you imagine I probably get asked if I'm ever going to do it much. Well, you're supposed to do that fight for life thing. He'll no, fight no, for no, 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 like a big life thing. Mm. What's the main question probably people will probably ask me right now? Got no idea. To do with Joe. Uh, you marriage celebrant. Right. I'm not a marriage celebrant. I'm emceeing the bridal show. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! So big the, business, though. Big business. That's right. So they're having the the wedding dress thingy, Malingi. Mm-hmm. I need to probably learn the name of it, mm-hmm. not the thingy, Malingi. Mm-hmm. Um, and I need to learn. And and, and, and yeah, I'm going to be the MC. I'm oh, very good. Which I was all good with because I'm not afraid to be in front of people. I can talk and all the rest of it. So I heard that Jason Gunn's done it for the last five years. All oh, right, <laughs> Jason Gunn. It's yeah. like the top yeah, echelon yeah, in that yeah, world, yes, isn't he? Yes. And and now I'm worried. Mm, now I'm you should be. He's slightly insecure. Crap in your pants. Yes. What's a, what's a wedding dress joke that I could tell? I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> Guys, email me any through wedding jokes. If you Come on, someone's been a best man. Have you been a best man? No. You've never been a best man? No, no. Where's the love? I know. Share the love, people. Oh, man. Where's the love in that? I'll be best man at your wedding, it's all right. Here we go. You can knock it in. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so, so I've got to think of how I'm going to make this funny. Okay. And to be honest, I'm slightly struggling. Good. Google, 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 Google's a wonderful thing. It told me what DP was. Yeah, DP. Right, let's wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's wrap it up, eh? Because I think there could be a dangerous conversation. Digital photography. Digital <laughs> photography. What right up? I'm Russ. I'm Mino. Train hard. Train smart. Kikaha. Oh, have we, have you stopped recording? No. Oh, you're back. Are we back? What is he going to be I just got an email through from Finishes Picks. Yeah, but saying I haven't claimed my Auckland 70.3 pictures and I thought oh, I'll click on that while yep. Bevan's talking crap yep. and uh, I've got all my pictures here and then I've got the picture of some girl's big bottom right in front of my finishing shot is that, is that? that one there a second oh you really have two <laughs> that's gold got to be finish line there's somebody in brown pants set <laughs> oh, bottoms in my picture anyway, great way to finish the show okay well there you go that's the end of the show this time I promise it's over but maybe it's not <laughs> Okay. Now he is. Here we go. <laughs>